Yes, it's panic time. This is Tall Can Audio. What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside another one of your Versage sessions of the Tall Can Audio podcast. Matt Robinson here, Lee Versage over there. What's happening, man? Got a nice ring to it, the Versage Sessions, and, yeah. and well, MJF, yes, with his "Better Than You," yeah, slightly uh, song, jazzed up cover yeah. of it, different uh, different mix of it, but that's all right. We like that. Well, I am better than you, oh. so and you I, know I, it. I, I, <laughs> see, I can't even do it seriously. I'm trying to pull this off. Nice, yeah. nice to see your face, hear yeah. hear your voice, mm-hmm. and let's get going. We got a lot of things. We sure you don't even know actually what's coming at you. Uh, we're on social media. This talk is in audio. what I used to do to people. Okay. I used to be like, "Oh, I got this stuff and whatever." I let's just thing. Go, yeah, let's yeah. just go and I'll surprise you. Okay, we are on social media at Tall Can Audio. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you're hearing us right now. Uh, tons to talk about. We're going to talk some football. We're going to talk some baseball. We're going to talk some hockey, 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 hockey. I got a surprise for Lee on this episode of the podcast. But we always start with the pints. These are pints you brought last week mm-hmm. uh, that. Uh, you know, weren't weren't quite cool enough for the podcast at the time. Had to throw them in the fridge. Mm-hmm. We gave it a week, and and they're ready to go now. These come from the same series. Tell us a little about what you got for us here. Uh, well, I do live. I was going to say right near, but yeah. when it's twice as far to the mailbox as it is to the front door of the pub, <laughs> you live near a pub. It's true, and that is frankly, I visit the pub more than the mailbox. <laughs> well, I try not to, uh, but that is. I'm telling you, it's not a word of a lie. It might be further from the door of the pub to the mailbox than it is from my front door to the pub. Right. So quite near the Ashton Brewery. Right. And as always, like one of the things that I like to do, and I know that you like to do, but when I come in here on, well, what what do I say? Thursdays? When I come in here I on just, Thursdays, I, I don't try and dick around with the audience. It's Wednesday afternoon. We're not we're not getting up and drinking a beer for you people on Thursday morning. It's Jeez. Wednesday afternoon, and we'll put the show out Thursday. That's how it works. You're, you're not Pat Quinn. We dick around. Have yeah. you ever heard that? Like, <laughs> you're, you're goddamn right, Pat. Yeah. You and your Leaf team used to. My dick dad ar- used to use that phrase all the time. Dick that, so I, I love it. You're yeah, just, you're just dicking around. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I don't dick around when it comes to the beer that I bring in. No, and I always want to bring in something that you probably have never had and the audience doesn't necessarily have a chance to say run to the beer store LCBO and be able to get it right. like to have something You're a, a bit little of a bit beer different. elitist. Oh, I like that too. Yes, I'm sure you do. You can't say beer elitist <laughs> without Lee in the middle of it, right? <laughs> can't do it. So, yes. You have to butcher the spelling a little bit. It does it is there. Okay, I don't care how to spell things. I care how to say things. Yeah. And I say about 80% of words That's properly. True. It is an audible medium that we're working through here. 20% I don't say yeah. properly, and that's fine. Like, you wouldn't believe the blowback I got about flambased last week. <laughs> People were like, you're such an idiot. You got flambased? I did. Yeah, I got yeah. flambasted for that. So, Ashton Brewing Company, ABC, has what they call a slow boat series. Mm -hmm. And this is a series of seasonal IPAs that they have. Right. So they have a regular IPA that's in a a black and pink can. Mm -hmm. And 
They also have their slow boat series. So depending on what kind of time of year it is, they have four different seasonal IPAs, an East Coast IPA, a West Coast IPA, a mm-hmm. Black IPA, and a Rye IPA. And I was telling you off the air, I didn't... So it's all in the same can. There's a check mark oh, yeah. on the back. Like they have them listed and there's a little white box with a red check mark to see which one it actually is. Because all of those that I just mentioned are from the same can. Same seasonal series of cans, but you got to look for the check mark. Correct. You got to know where that check mark is. And the way that I found this out originally is my uncle was visiting and I had went up and bought him some seasonal IPAs in the fridge and he asked for one and I went and got it and I poured it and and it was black. I'm like, (laughs) black? I'm not going to like this. I give it to him and oh, that is incredible. That is awesome. So he finishes and he says, would you mind if I had another? I'm like, yeah, no problem at all. I went and got him another can. I poured it. It's blonde. You're like, this is the exact same can as the last one. Like what the hell is happening here? And then I didn't realize and then I found out. So we're kind of in the middle of the seasonal change. And so I have a West Coast IPA and an East Coast IPA from Ashton for us to try. And this works out pretty well. Because you don't, by the sounds of it, like the IPA is not your number one thing. No. For the longest time, it wasn't for me either. And it still isn't my number one. But I've, I've grown to appreciate the IPA more and more as more, like the, every time you visit a brewery, it's clear they're trying to hang their hat on their IPA, right? Like that's what real craft beer drinkers want to have is, is IPA. I am not then a real. Apparently, and neither am I, right? But everybody's got their, their IPA yeah. and that will always be mm-hmm. uh, their thing. And so. You just sort of, I got kind of used to that idea, prepared to have more and more of them. And for whatever reason now, I prefer, if I'm going to do it, I want that thing that the IPA brings, right? That bitter, hoppy, crisp thing that a West Coast is supposed to bring. Now, the the East Coast IPA is is usually a little juicier, right? A little hazier. Yep. Uh, maybe a little more tropical or something like that to it. So, you know, we've we've kind of got our preferences here. So we're each having one. I'm having the West Coast. You're having the uh, the East Coast. Have you had that one before? I have not. Okay. So well, I'm not. They have so many good ones there that I don't have to necessarily get that one. Now, Ashton, and I appreciate this, and we, we talked last week. I think sometimes the subtleties of the breweries is what I love about the craft beer um, like understanding what breweries are trying to do. Sure. And you might have one, like we talked last week about, you know, whether you want to have a new beer every two weeks or you want to hang your hat on five yes. staples. Yeah. Well, this week, I also think there's a huge difference in, there are some breweries that want with flavor, they want to smack you in the face. <laughs> and that's okay. Cause I'm a big flavor guy when yep. it comes to craft beer. Yeah. Others aren't. But there are some breweries that want to not smack you in the face. In fact, they will go quite subtle with a lot of their stuff. Yep. Be- and their reasoning is they would like you to come in and sit down and have three. And sometimes when people go in, they go, like, to give you an example, and I don't mean this as a bad thing, mm-hmm. I could go into Perth brewery and I could get like in the winter, I could get their pistachio, which basically tastes like amaretto. 
I could get, um, like right now they have a pumpkin, right out. Yep. I actually really, really like those, but I can't sit down and have six of them. Three. I was going to say three or four, yeah. but yeah, we'll go six. Yeah. I can't because- That's not a Saturday afternoon, sit and watch the game, six pack beer. Right. It's because per- it's, it's yeah. very rich. Yeah. It's it's very full of flavor and it's almost sometimes like a the last beer I'll have on a night because it it's like dessert kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I get you there. So Ashton, mm-hmm. and I don't want to speak for them, but I feel like <laughs> they do a really good job at the subtlety of their beer. They don't want anything too flashy. So a lot of the stuff that they do is quite subtle so that when you go in or when you buy, you can have a lot of their beer sitting in a six pack watching a game, Yes, watching the referees ruin, whether it's football or <laughs> baseball or hockey, which we'll get into we all of those things. So enough time for you to take a couple sips of the West Coast Slowboat Series IPA. I'm enjoying it. It's, uh, it's crisp, which I like in a West Coast IPA, right? It's got... I don't find it overly hoppy, like it's it's not bowling me over with that, but it's it's got a nice flavor to it, and and like I said, crisp would be the word you'd use to go, like right up front. It's giving you, you know, what you would expect out of a West uh, a West Coast hmm. IPA. Happy with that. Okay, and I've now had a couple of sips of the East Coast, and I think the word that you used before, juicy, juicy, juicy. you knew I was gonna, <laughs> yeah, use that one. Yep, but. It's right, because this particular IPA is not as hoppy. It is a little bit more flavorful, a little bit more tropical, a little bit more juicy. And I don't know, like, I'm just not an IPA person. So I won't go in. There's too many other options for me, whatever brewery I go to, that I'm going to like something more than IPA. It's not that I absolutely hate them. I just, when I go in and I'm at a different brewery, I want kind of the best There's one. There's other things that jump out at me yeah, first. I want yeah. the best one for me. Yep. 100%. I would drink this East Coast IPA if I was sitting down and having three or four of them. Yeah. I actually like it more than I thought that I would. Okay. So we're talking about Ashton here and we mentioned last week and, and we don't have to go too far down this road again, but a guy who had some history with that brewery yep. was uh, Steve Lloyd. He was in here a little earlier on in the week and we talked to him about Craig Anderson, whether that's a Jersey retirement, whether that's a ring of honor How did thing. you get him to walk about 482 meters from his house to your house to, to come? What a <laughs> journey he must've gone through. No wonder he doesn't come on very much. What a trek it's, for that guy to get it's here. It's tough. It's tough. And so I said to him when we were talking a little bit about, you know, the, some of the feedback we got about you now being a regular contributor here, right? You're going to be here every week. We're going to mm-hmm. drop episodes with Lever Sage every Thursday and, uh, I had had a couple of people reply to say that it, it, it was a little more combative than usual. And, and Lloydie correctly pointed out, I'm working with one of the top heels in the business at this point, right? The guy knows how to do what he's, <laughs> how to do his job. And so, uh, I thought that was, uh, that was wrapped up pretty well. We got uh, some more feedback from uh, a listener named Marcus. He replied to suggest that we should allow Lee while he's on the show to be known as the czar of sports schadenfreude. And I don't love that. Because it feels like you're just going to drop everything after the word czar and possibly rule with an iron fist around here. So that's concerning. I was just thinking that I would never be able to pronounce or say that in that one fell swoop. So I would drop everything after <laughs> czar, but not for the reason that you <laughs> pointed out. But your reasoning's better than my reasoning. Right. So let's consider czar. Okay. I, it's a great word. It is a great term. <laughs> uh, so 
But we got feedback from someone else. I got a direct message from someone okay. who, uh, who wanted to give their thoughts directly to you. So we're going to do that this week with a, a mystery guest. Wow. You'll stand with me here just for one second. Okay. So this is actually happening right now. This is happening right now. Like live. This is going to be live on the podcast. Lee has no idea what we're about to do here. Zero. Has uh, not been given any sort of heads up on what's coming for him. Um, and we're going to take our first caller. And I mean ever, because this is not a call-in show. Uh, welcome, caller. And uh, can you tell us who you are and, and where you're calling from? Yeah, my name is Scott, and I'm calling from Halifax, Nova Scotia. <laughs> welcome to the program. And I'm a big fan of yours, Matt. Mm. And and I thought that today would be the day to call in, not because I'm going to ignore you, <laughs> But this is my one opportunity to speak to somebody who is three things. Hmm. One, a Dallas Cowboys fan. Yeah, 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 it's true. Two, a New Jersey Devils fan. Yeah. Jack Hughes leading the NHL in scoring. (laughs) Yeah. And three, someone who drinks beer Mm -hmm. that tastes like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers throwback jerseys. (laughs) (laughs) Do you understand how long it took Scott MacArthur to come up with that? (laughs) Like he, probably in his entire journey to Nova Scotia, he he had to think of that. It, I'd say it's good to hear your voice, but all I do know, Scott, is I'm so happy that you are a part of this program. When the Dallas Cowboys went and exposed the San Francisco 49ers <laughs> to everything that teams could do against them. And once San Francisco beat Dallas, they thought that was their Super Bowl. They beat the Cowboys. And what have they done since? Oh, right. They've lost to two absolutely garbage NFL teams. They lost to Kirk Cousins and PJ whatever his name is at quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. I am so happy that you're a part of today's show. Matt, um, just a second. I'm rifling through. I'm I'm a little old school. I, yeah. I don't use my phone, so I use address books. Sure. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just. I have Joshua Dobbs's contact somewhere here. I just have to find it. Uh, just, just give me a moment. By the way, you know what I wouldn't do, Matt. Mm. And, and maybe this is a little bit of life advice for you because I know our mutual friend here isn't going to take it. I, I would not cheer for a team that lost to a team that just got beaten by the Cleveland Browns and Minnesota Vikings in consecutive weeks (laughs) by 32 points. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and display hubris. I just, I, I wouldn't cheer for that team, nor would I be arrogant in how I expressed myself in the aftermath of that whole experience. Matt, you're not a... But my my biggest beef with that Sunday night game, Lee, especially with Mm. the time change out here in the Atlantic provinces, is it kept me up late. Nice of you to say my name for the first time (laughs) (laughs) in a couple of minutes. By the way, the 49ers and the Cowboys both have two losses. So the fact that we're actually like going back and forth, arguing about who the second and third best team in the NFC are, okay, sure, okay, (laughs) like, great. We need to be we need to be at okay, our best so. in the playoffs. And Brock Purdy showing that he was supposed to be Mr. Irrelevant whenever the hell he was picked in the seventh round, because he's just awful since that Cowboys game. So it's nice to be able to watch nothing more that I enjoy than watching San Francisco lose. And I've got a chance to do that over the last couple of weeks while we beat the Chargers. Hold on a Scott, second. Have you cut your hair yet, by the way? 
Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Look, I'll give you the final two drives of the fourth quarter, and that's when it mattered most on Monday night. I'm not going to deny that, but you watch the game, right, Lee? I, I know did. the Cowboys aren't playing, so... No, I watched the entire game, yes. Okay, so you'll recall then that the 49ers drove the ball down the field on their first drive, and Christian McCaffrey fumbled. Yeah. You'll recall then that the 49ers drove the ball down the field on their second drive, mm-hmm. were stopped on third down, and Jim Harbaugh's college kicker had a bit of a <laughs> an issue again. And then you'll recall that the 49ers drove the ball down the field on their third offensive drive and scored a touchdown, the momentum of which was negated because Steve Wilkes ex of the Arizona Cardinals and Carolina Panthers to, and if I may emphasize this descriptor, thriving franchises, <laughs> uh, decided to call a cover zero blitz mm-hmm. <laughs> on the final, what turned out to be the final play of the first half. So look, Brock Purdy wasn't good when he needed to be late in the game. Um, you could have driven a Mack truck through our run defense. That needs to be addressed. But this whole thing that Brock Purdy is just a piece of crap now because <laughs> they lost on Monday night uh, is just what? unfactual. And no, I haven't cut my hair. <laughs> That's all I really wanted to know. I, You know, we might be doing this, but I am quite glad that Scott MacArthur has joined us. It It is a privilege to have him. He's in the zone. Oh, he's in yeah. the zone. <laughs> Do you know, Scott, I want to go back. I want to say that was 20 years ago. I I can't remember the year, but I think it was 03. And if it was 03, my God, 20 years ago, you and I doing a show on non-sense game nights covering and going to minor hockey rinks across this great city of Ottawa. Uh, So... uh, I was on with Matt a couple weeks ago, Lee, and I, it definitely was 20 years ago. And, and the reason I for sure know that is because it, and I think I texted you the New in Jersey mid-August. Won the it was, cup. Yes, that was definitely where I was going. This is it. why Matt, this is why Matt is my co-host on the show on Thursday. Hey, hey, Matt, yeah. why, don't, why don't you go get a, I get to sit back. I'm going to enjoy my beer and allow you guys to just hammer this out. All right. Yeah. Why don't, why don't, why don't you go get a beer that, you know, doesn't taste like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers throwback jerseys. Um, but it was 20 years since the blackout. Yes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. you remember that? We went for that. I, I, I don't know if we were doing a show that night, Leo, no. or if you and I just both happened to be at, at the studio. But then there was nothing to do because the radio was yeah. broken, <laughs> like everything else. <laughs> yep. And and so we just went for this walk in the pitch black of the Byward Market. I'll never forget that night. Never, ever, ever. Yeah. Because imagine it's when the whole east eastern seaboard went out. Yeah. And Scott and I went on a walk in the market, and there were stores open from candlelight, and there were groups of people sitting around. Whoever could have a an acoustic guitar, right? Or and it was wild. It, it was something I think we've never experienced before. And to have that happen on that night, and Scott and I walked around the entire market, and it was a completely different space, wasn't it, Scott, yeah. that night? And oh, it was crazy. I'll never but forget it. The funniest, the funniest thing that we saw, Matt, and whether you believe what I'm about to say or not is completely <laughs> up to you, 
was that I appreciated the most, Lee, that people were cooking hamburgers mm. in the bonfire they'd lit in the lobby of the Rito Center McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. I thought that that was a real community-oriented moment that that uh, you and I decided to walk by. Hey, in hindsight, a, it could have been a life There's another McDonald's in the market that's seen crazier things, I'm quite certain. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Rito Center McDonald's. I should have said the Rito Street McDonald's. Okay, I'm, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the one I... Okay. Uh, may may that, it rest in peace. Yeah, that, yeah, no, that was. It's seen some things. That was wild. That was a wild. But yes, it was definitely 2003. Wow. And and Lee, you, I mean, you may be able to fill in some blanks or recall different conversations better than me. But it was kind of our program director, Dave Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he sat both you and me down in his office at the same time, or if he came to us separately. Well, but I know, I, I know, re- Scott. I know it was separately because if he brought us both in there, we'd still actually be in there. <laughs> Twenty. Years I, so a great story about Mitch. <laughs> so anyway, I'll finish the first part, which is what, which was like he's just kind of like, yeah. I mean, just go in there and turn on the mic and 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 go with it on on nonsense, non sixty sevens game nights. So I was like, okay. I mean, this is free form, right? Because I'd only ever been writing scripts as a yep as a newscaster. Um, but I, I clearly, I don't remember the year, but, uh, I walked into Dave Mitchell's, I arrived at work. So my first newscast was at the time 3 PM. So the afternoon drive and I walked into Mitch's office at 11 in the morning Yeah, and it was simply, I can't remember what it was, but I needed to ask him something about something coming up or you know something I might have been involved in. It doesn't matter what it was, and I have no recollection. I looked up at the clock. It was 20 minutes to 3 o'clock, mm-hmm. three hours and 40 minutes later, and I said to him, Dave, I think I got to go write my newscast. <laughs> so, and that's why I said we'd still be in there because, and look, yeah. I actually have conversed with uh, Dave after all of this, like a couple of months ago, I'm going to go visit. Sure. He's in Kempville. I'm going to go out and visit him at some point soon when I get a chance. And he's he, he is such a great man. Now, oh, to, yeah. to, oh, si- yeah. to say, like, he gave me so much opportunity. He did so much for me personally. And I know he did mm-hmm. so much for a lot of other people. I don't want to speak for other people, but for, he did a lot for me. But I always, like, I found out real quick with Dave as a boss, I actually almost tried. I never went in and I only went in when he asked me to. I never went in his office on my own because I knew like one time I went in with one question and it was a simple question. It was like a yes (laughs) or no, like should this be happening or yes or no? I was in there for an hour and a half and I left with six like life pondering thoughts about work and my life. I didn't get the question answered, but I, I, I did leave with six more questions that I was like, am I going to work tomorrow? Like all of these things that he ever wanted to get off of his shit, he did, but he never answered my question. And so I was like, this is what happens when you walk into his office. So I actually tried to not walk into his office as much as I possibly could. I hope he takes that with as much respect possible because I love the man. Oh, Mitch is wonderful, wonderful, and and his Kempville ties. So there was always something that that would at the bakery tie back to Grant at the to bakery. Grant's bakery. Yeah. 
right? But but so I'll take your thing a step further, and I say this out of only love for Mitch because he's such a great conversationalist, such a good ideas guy, and and was as good to me as he was to you and and many others. Not only Lee did I go in with a question that didn't get answered. I would often leave his office having forgotten what I went in there for. <laughs> I was like, I mean, there was a reason it started, but I, yeah. I have no idea. And to Scott's point, like it was, hey, I think you two guys would be good on the air. Just go on and go have a show. Yeah. Go have a show. And then we figured out like, okay, what can we do that's a little bit different? We started going to minor hockey arenas doing like having somebody from the minor hockey team on to, to talk about their team. We used to have Mm -hmm. Jim McCauley on. Um, I remember that very well. And if Jim doesn't know, nobody knows. That was the name of the segment. And we could ask (laughs) Jim anything and Jim would come on and Jim would answer it for us. Mm -hmm. And just so many great, great memories um, of that, which is boy, it's, it, 20 tough, years. It's tough not to go back down memory lane and think about all of the things that have happened since. And, and the fact that we were two, you know, kids, but we we were, we were in our 20s and just, hey, I think you guys would be good on the air. All right. That's it. That, that's what happened. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, if I may uh, be wistful for a moment here and Lee, don't you know, don't, uh, don't, you. don't start thinking I'm going to be, uh, don't start thinking I'm going to be nice to you all the time, but, um, cause I actually do. Cause then when I come in for the kill, you'll just not be prepared. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, no, no. But I, I always thought, and, um, I always thought it was fun that you were willing and able, but willing and able to, uh, in, in some ways to play the foil and and part of the way of playing the foil is having the ability to come back with a similarly strong or even stronger jab. You know, it isn't just to sit there and take it. If I got on you about the devils or if I got on you about the cowboys or, or whatever, you could come back and counterpunch with equal strength or even, you know, on, on a very rare occasion, I just want to underscore that <laughs> word, rare occasion, come in with an even stronger counterpunch. But but like we just it was natural, too, because we don't mm-hmm. we don't see a lot of the sports world the same way. I mean, I'm if we think of old school rivalries from when we were really young, it's like you're either Celtics or you're Lakers. Right. Or bread or uh, your fort or or like extremely Brett more personally. Yeah, yeah, like, like, yes. Yeah. Sorry, yes. you're talking to a couple wrestling nerds. <laughs> well, no, me, oh, dude. Okay. I was, I was, I'm, I'm doing the Wolfpack sign right now. <laughs> <That> um, <boy. laughs> click, click for life. Yes. Um, but, 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 you know, or 49ers or Cowboys, and and so that sort of, I think, is a reflection of of how we view the sports world. We came to love our teams in our own ways and whatnot, but we always had something good to argue about. And I, I, it would have been better if the Maple Leafs had actually beaten 
the Devils in at le- in in one of those playoff series. So hey, six shots more, isn't bad. Yeah, okay? registered more than six shots. Six that shots is fun. good, right? Yeah, yeah, Against yeah. that right. defensive stalwart to get six shots—that's amazing. Ugh. Here, Matt. Here, see. Here's the thing. You know, much like well, Scotty, if you don't like mind, these... I have a button I press when Lee does this. I'm going to press it right now. Go fuck yourself. Yes. <laughs> That, Scott, just a little get, Christian last week. That's right. I like that. That's two right. weeks ago. You know what? That is yeah. incredible that you know that. I was actually going to explain to you that that was Christian from just a couple of weeks ago. I am stoked that you know that already. Right. Well, if you guys will allow me, I, I, I am going to return to the audience here in a second, but you're talking about 20 years ago. I'd like to take the two of you back to 30 years ago this week. The 1993 World Series, it's Joe Carter, it's the walk-off home run, it is perhaps the most, um, you know, we can have these arguments, right? It's Donovan Bailey, it's Paul Henderson, it's Joe Carter, right? The biggest moments in Canadian sports history. Joe Carter hits that home run to walk off the Phillies in the 93 World Series. I know you're both big Blue Jays guys. I'm just curious what your memories sort of are of of that 93 team and 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 that championship series where you were Scotty I know you were you were pretty close to it there in in the moment I, if I can direct you that way to talk about that for a couple minutes well I think Scott like you have such a great perspective on this and I won't say a bunch of nice things about Scott but I will finish that very quickly that I think one of the things like we look at sports very differently but we care about sports very similar right right? we we care so much and i think when that comes out and people care then you respect i don't necessarily agree but i i very much respect everything that scott will say or do because i know he's done his homework i know how much he cares and i know that we can have a a discussion i won't call it an argument a discussion (laughs) but scott in all your time in media like for me at the beginning, being the foil was fun, but it was also, I lived on kind of this throughout my radio career was if Matt was driving down the road and he was listening to Scott MacArthur and he was listening to Lieber Sage and they're going back and forth, but they were bringing up such good points and arguments that Matt then could make up his own mind and I could give quite honestly, a rat's ass if Matt agreed with me or agreed with you, as long as he was able to make up his own opinion based on the fact that we've given him a lot of different viewpoints on the same subject. And if we were able to let people do that throughout the course of, well, at least my career and yours, I know you had you know TV and radio and everything else that you've done. If you can bring up some really educated, different viewpoints on things mm-hmm. and let people then make up their own minds and go, yeah, I hear what Lee is saying, but Scott's right. And I, and then they're passionate and then they're into the discussion and then they want to hear you bury me because they agree with you. And that's okay because you've got them at that point and they're in because they care about what you're talking about. And I don't know that there are very many people that did it better than Scott to be able to do that because of the passion that he had about sports. Okay. That's the last thing I'm going to say that's even <laughs> close to nice, but, but that's why he has succeeded and will continue to succeed. In I might be the guy driving down the road, being able to form his own opinion based on your arguments. I am not the guy who's able to force you guys into a conversation on the topic that I'm, I'm looking to get to. <laughs> right. Exactly. 
Um, Scott, for me, I was <laughs> I was in the dome for the parade in '92. I remember exactly yep. where I was for every playoff game. I remember when Mike Timlin, when Nixon bunted and Mike Timlin threw it to Joe Carter. I remember how upset I was when Tony Fernandez and Fred McGriff were traded for mm. Robbie Alomar and Joe Carter because I that's all I knew. Tony Fernandez and Turned out already. And yeah, the crime dog. But that's all I knew. They were my team. I didn't know these guys. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they would come in and Robbie Alomar hit the home run against Oakland off Eckersley. Then they win the World Series. And for that to the next year and suddenly David Cohn and Paul Molitor and Ricky Henderson and all these guys are there. It's like, oh my God, (laughs) this is, this is one of the most incredible things ever. And I remember being with my family on the couch when Joe Carter hit his home run and just my grandfather and my father and my mm. uncle weeping, weeping, mm. like not even, not even like crazy happy, but weeping that the team that they followed and put money into in 1977 and went to exhibition stadium and supported everything had done this and created that moment for the the entire city and the entire country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, it was something. And of course we're all of the vintage that doesn't remember a world without the blue Jays. So, so think about it from your dad's, or your grandfather's perspective at the time that they, they of course did remember um, the pre blue Jays era. And then of course the struggles of the expansion years that followed. Um, I was really lucky. So, um, my dad in 1987, so I turned eight in 1987 and my dad, uh, was offered and accepted the job as chief financial officer of what was then the stadium corporation of Ontario, because the under construction Skydome was owned by the provincial government. Right. And that was the name of the corporation the province had set up. So he became the CFO of the Skydome. And so I had the good fortune of being at the opening party uh, that Alan Thicke hosted. (laughs) And then two nights later, uh, the first ever game at Skydome, Uh, Fred McGriff had the first ever home run. The Jays lost that night to Don August, I believe, (laughs) and the Milwaukee Brewers, who were an American League team at the time. And if I'm wrong about Don August, it's only because I'm confusing him with Bill Wegman. And (laughs) and if I'm wrong about both of them, then just I'm a loser for knowing either name. Uh, But but Jimmy Key, Jimmy Key started for the Jays that night. I think they lost five to three. So I, I, I had the good fortune of being at a lot of the games and. Uh, that included the the 93 World Series uh, sixth game where Joe Carter walked it off. And I was sitting down the right field line as a 14-year-old uh, with um, my aunt, an uncle of mine, and there were my brother was there. There were a handful of others. My two sets of grandparents were not sitting with us, but they were in different parts of the stadium. It was kind of a, a, a whole family thing. Wow. And... Uh, my, you know, so I don't recall uh, watching the ball leave Joe Carter's bat because from my perspective down the right field line, I was in foul territory. 
up against the backdrop of the fans on the third base side. You never see the ball. The ball, yeah. the ball you know, white shirts, different things. You, you just, and it was, it was on a line more than it was a, a rainbow, a fly ball. So, um, so we just sort of reacted when we saw the people over on the third base side and out in left field, throw their arms up and start going wild. Uh, the funny component to this is that in the aftermath, and keep in mind, this is 1993. So we're about eight years before September 11th, 2001, you didn't have to go through customs to get into a professional sports stadium. Right. And a lot of people had uh, Swiss army knives. So people had pulled down the red, white, and blue bunting that lined the facade of the stadium around the 100, 200 level facade, two, 300, up and up and up and go. They pulled it down and were with their Swiss Army knife, uh, knife scissors, cutting little pieces off for a souvenir. As a 14 year old who didn't have a Swiss Army knife on me at the time, but who was wearing braces, <laughs> I. I thought to myself, and oh no! Please tell is, me this oh, ends no. with you taking piece a piece of that home. Please tell me that. So I decided that my bottom front braces <laughs> could potentially serve as a as a scissor to rest a little bit of this bunting for to me. To think that he was at his peak intellectually at fourteen. <laughs> yeah. As I like to say, on the long list of high IQ moments yeah. that I've had, this was one of my first. A boy scout, uh, right? Anyway, Always be prepared. This is, this is so funny. needless to say, uh, if I could Seinfeld yada, yada, yada this, I was at the orthodontist <laughs> three days later getting the four or five braces of my front bottom teeth glued back on. Uh, but a guy, uh, probably in his 20s at the time, who was sitting near us very kindly cut me a little bit of the bunting, and I still have it to this day. Oh, that's, but, awesome. uh, that's incredible. But, you know, so I just say, like, um, for me, and a lot of people don't like Skydome Rogers Center, it's a little different now with the uh, with the renovations that were done and, and, and whatnot. But there were a lot of complaints through the years about Skydome, and I've always said two things about that. The second of which, personally for me, is more important than the first. But the first is a reminder that when it was being built in the mid to late 80s and it opened in June of 89, it really was an architectural and technological marvel. Um, now, that dissipated quickly with the opening of Oriole Park at Camden Yards in 92 and what was then Jacobs Field in Cleveland in 94 and on through the that decade where a lot of um, old school ballparks uh, were, were constructed around the United States. But it was a technological marvel, um, architectural uh, marvel as well at the time that it opened. But secondly, for me, again, and this is my good fortune, uh, nothing I achieved or earned, but with my dad having worked at Skydome through the heyday of those Blue Jays teams, you know, even the build in 89 that ultimately led to an AL East crown in 91 and Joe Carter hurting his ankle in that series, losing to the twins disappointingly into 92 overcoming and slaying the dragon of the Oakland A's and in, in the ALCS that year, because they had become quite a rival and it handled the blue Jays in 89. Um, just, and, and thinking about, and Lee, you're thinking about the same thing as you tell your story, because uh, I know your your father has left us and so has your grandfather. When I 
whenever I walk into what is now Rogers Center, I, you know, I, I remember uh, my four grandparents are long gone now. Right. So I think of them and I almost in a weird way feel their ghosts and um, and think back to the family times that we had in that stadium in its early years. And, yeah. and so it means a lot to me um, just to whenever I go into that stadium to think about mm-hmm. uh, people I love who are gone and the good times that we had so long ago now. Well, and even to further that, so. If you can believe this, I was a half-decent hockey player, and our team that qualified to play in a tournament that you end up knowing the rest of this story, that I end up being billeted by Yarka Rutu's yes. family. Awesome. But, but the, yeah. the way that that all <laughs> happened was we went to uh, Helsinki, and Stockholm to play in a world bantam tournament when I was 14 years old. And that ended up, I think we probably tried to raise money for over a year to be able to support everyone going. And one of the ways that we did that was working the concessions, parents and kids when Exhibition Stadium flipped to the Dome. And so we worked the concessions at Exhibition Stadium. Then when the date that you just said, the first game, and the rest of that season, we worked the concessions there as well. And to your point, Scott, it meant everything for me with the Blue Jays, you know, getting to the ALCS in 89. They were a good team. We were, as a hockey team, everyone I knew, my friends, my parents, we were working at those games to raise money to go on this on this tur- tournament of a lifetime for us. And you're, you're damn right that you have to be able, like, we can talk about that building not being like other buildings when it comes to a great place to watch a baseball game. But the memories that people have from when it opened in 89... The All-Star game was there in 91. They won. They got to the ALCS again in 91. They won in 92. They won in 93. That place is a shrine for what Toronto Blue Jay baseball has ever meant. And Mm -hmm. it's for people to crap on the place. It's not the best place to go and watch a game. It certainly is not... You know, when you go outside of the dome and there's nowhere to really congregate and be with people before you go into the game, I get all of that. But for the people like you and me from 89 through the mid 90s, that place was everything. Well, and I I think maybe where it lost a bit of its luster, aside from the fact that it very obviously became compared to the newer era of Renault stadiums, was that. And I, I, I believe this to this day to be true, because everybody's like, oh, why didn't Paul Beeston push to be in the AL Central in 1994, you know, when the every when the wild card was invented and the divisions realigned and, and they created three divisions out of what had previously been two. And and I I'll always say for context that, number one, the Blue Jays had the highest payroll in baseball yeah. at that time because because Labatt 
the majority owner, and there were minority owners as well, CIBC and others. But I mean, they they were running close to a fifty million dollar payroll, which at that time was significant. Right. It was is like George Steinbrenner hadn't just started defecating hundred dollar bills <laughs> um, at that point, um, or or he probably could have, but didn't realize he was willing to uh, yet at at that point. Um, and and but the the worst the worst thing that happened to the Toronto Blue Jays was that uh, Labatt was purchased by what at the time was known as Interbrew, which is um, a a Belgian beer company. And it's gone on uh, to uh, change names, I think, Intbev. Um, but but they they took a look at um, not knowing anything about baseball. Uh, they they took a look at it and, and, and said, well, what's this? And that's when payroll started to get slashed around that time, which was coincidental more than anything else. But like the Blue Jays changed their uniforms, which to me, they lost a bit of their identity because their uniforms are so unique with the font of the numbers and, and, and the letters on the front of their jersey. I was happy in 2012 when they brought that back. But there was kind of a dark period there. There were great players, whether it was Roy Halladay or Carlos Delgado. I've got that Halliday jersey hanging in the studio here, and it's it's not a great jersey, but that's the one that yeah. that's the one that Doc wore, so that's the one but that hangs. Yeah, yeah so yeah. but but there wasn't a lot of success, no. and the Yankees and Red Sox were dominating the division and spending all the money and blah blah blah. So you were going to a cavernous, multi-purpose stadium yeah. that was one quarter full, watching a team that you knew, no matter how well they did they were going to finish third at best in their division. And it went on for a long time. And, and I think that that had an effect on how the generation Lee that followed mm-hmm. us perceived the stadium. Yeah. A hundred percent because it was not about the team. It was now about the experience. And if you went knowing that your team wasn't great, but that ah, experience is good. Well, the experience fell off big time because it's not a great place to go watch a game. It was amazing when 50,000 people were in there and the team's winning, sure. but it's not amazing when 14,000 people I've told the story on this pod a bunch of times. In 2015, Rob and I went to a game in April against uh, Tampa Bay, and I think there was 12,000 people in the building. We went to a game in August, post-David Price, post-Troy Tulowitzki. Now it's sold out for the Minnesota Twins, right? And it's a totally yeah. different vibe, this empty cave versus this yeah. Once there's people here, it's fun. Scotty, I know we got to get you out of here in a second. I got to ask you a question because one of my favorite statistics about the Dome is that the number one attended event in Sky Dome history, WrestleMania 18, The Rock versus Hogan. Number two, <laughs> number two is the Pope attended. Uh, he, he, he comes in behind Hogan versus Rock. It sounds like your dad was still a pretty big player in 1990 when WrestleMania 6, the ultimate challenge rolled in there, Hogan versus Warrior. I'm curious... Were you in the crowd for that one? Did Dad hook you up with tickets for uh, for WrestleMania six? I I was thirteenth row. Yeah, and <laughs> and what's what's funny what's funny about that is is up until that point. So this so we're talking April first, nineteen ninety. So I'm a little less than three months away from turning eleven. Right. So I'm ten. Yeah. I had not liked wrestling up to that point. Okay, and my brother who was uh, six going on seven did. And I had some older cousins who did, who were going. And there was a ticket for me. 
And I hemmed and hawed for quite a while uh, because I'm like, well, I don't know any. I, I know who the Ultimate Warrior and who Hulk Hogan is, and I know who the Macho what well, time Macho King, but right. who the Macho Man Randy Savage is. <laughs> uh, but outside of that, I, I don't. I don't really know. Ultimately, I decided to go, and uh, I have some sort of still shot memories in my mind. But because I didn't know a lot of the the wrestlers, I don't have like a. I've obviously gone back and rewatched it, but I don't have like great memories of, of being in the building that day. Cause I just didn't, I was just trying to keep up with what was going on, asking sure. my older cousin, a lot of questions. Um, but th- I became a wrestling fan for having gone to that. Right. And, uh, and then I became a, a, a real strong fan and I'm like really strong on my wrestling from the early nineties to uh, probably the mid two thousands. The golden era. Uh, That's all you got to know. Yeah. The, so, but yeah, so I was there for that. 2002, uh, I was living and working in Ottawa and I was working weekend shifts at 580 CFRA. So I couldn't get the time off to go down to WrestleMania 18. Uh, friends of mine were there. I regret not having found a way uh, to get down for that. So I was not there for 18, but I was there for six. Uh, Scotty Mac, this was fun, man. I really appreciate it. No doubt we're going to come knocking again. Um, the uh, Exit Philosophy Podcast. You and Rich Griffin on YouTube and on any of your uh, your podcast apps. I don't know if there's anything else you want to tee up about that. You guys had a fun episode uh, about the 30th anniversary of the Joe Carter stuff, plus looking forward to this offseason. Uh, it's a great listen for people. I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about it before we get you out of here. Yeah, we're just, uh, as you said, we're where ever you get your podcasts and we also have a youtube page youtube.com slash exit philosophy and our podcasts are posted there in video form so you can look at our beautiful faces but we we are planning and we did this after the game two elimination against the twins we're planning to go forward with it into next year uh we'll kind of pick and choose dates but we will go uh to youtube live and do some post-game coverage nice. uh, on selected awesome. dates next yeah. season so, uh, okay i got yeah. i got two things here for you before we go <laughs> number one sure. uh you asked a very poignant question would you want to work for this guy speaking about mm-hmm. ross atkins after he spoke it was like in 10 seconds it was everything that i thought watching that debacle of a press conference what, and you wrapped it up in 10 seconds, but I want the answer. <laughs> like what, what is the answer to the question? Because my answer is no. And I don't, Scott, I know this whole thing and you probably discuss it on exit philosophy and I can't wait to listen to all of it. But like, if I'm a free agent, if I, if I'm anybody, why did, why do I want to come and work there under that guy? Yeah, my answer is, is also no. And I, you know, look, I, I spent a good portion of the summer being critical of the front office, um, not knowing, of course, what was going to come uh, in the playoffs and the way that the uh, postseason news conference would be handled. But I have to say, Lee and, and Matt, that none of that surprised me. Um. You know, it it just dealing with it for eight years, and you don't hear a lot about it because obviously there's a there's a give and a take in our line of work that we all mm-hmm. 
understand and people aren't just people who either need or are hoping to get some small or any kind of level of access to people aren't just going to go on the air or write in the paper carving the crap out of um, someone like Ross Atkins. But but the that behavior, that public behavior is not a surprise to anybody who's heard the stories about what goes on behind the scenes sometimes. So, so that's why I took the stance that I did. And then I just kind of smirked when I watched it all play out uh, while also feeling badly um, just for the way that the season finished and, and the fact that fans have an invested passion in their team. Um, and, and I want things to be better uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays. I've also asked a subsequent question. Uh, I was pissed off at myself because it was like at the 50 minute mark of, of one of the more recent exit philosophy podcasts. And I'm like, I really should have asked that off the top. <laughs> um, but it, it was, you know, when you think of the people who are out there and available, uh, Kim Ng or Haim Bloom, and those are just two names that we've heard of. Right. It, is Ross Atkins the best person available? to be the general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, headed into year nine. Yeah. Nine. <laughs> yeah, we're asking. Like I, yeah. Nine. <laughs> and the answer to that is also no. Right. Well, no. you asked some good questions. I don't know if you have great answers, but, I, <laughs> but, but we will, and I'll say this with all due respect, Scott, because I'm very appreciative of your time and you coming on this program, and I do hope that we do more. But until then, play the Christian thing again for me, uh, will you? Yeah, he's, he's giving me the... Okay. Go fuck yourself. I feel like that's a nice... It's rough. That's a nice... That's a, nice, a really nice way to thank someone for It's a nice ending, time. yeah. Uh, it's kind of my Matt, thing, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Matt? Yeah? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you, Matt, with okay. this. Okay. And, and I apologize if this derails the conversation <laughs> that you and Lee have in the <laughs> aftermath of my exit, but... I just wanna I just wanna let you know, Matt, and and somebody in the room with you who's probably drinking a beer that you can't see through. Um and 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 Get tastes, to it. tastes okay? like I know I know you used to have orange. a four hour radio show, but get to it. Matt, there are three things yeah. in life okay. you can count on. Okay. Death, taxes. And Doherty Nordby representing Norway at the Women's World Curling Championship. Those are all true. <laughs> Scotty There's a story Mark. behind that. Lee can tell it. I'm proud of that one 20 years later. That's a I'll, great poll. I'll bring it up That's, every time. That is a great poll. Scotty Mack, we appreciate your time, man. Like I said, it's the Exit Philosophy Podcast on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Thanks so much, Scotty. This was a blast. Matt, Lee, we'll do it again soon. Love you both. That'd be great. Talk right. to you soon, Scotty. Thanks, Scotty. Right. Scott. God damn MacArthur. That was amazing. What he, a guy, eh? He's such a beauty. Yeah. Um, and everything he's saying there is true, where we come at things very differently, but we have the same passion for it. And so... Well, he messaged me not long after we released your uh, your episode announcing that you were going to be here yeah. full time. He said, get me on. He, he texted and yeah. said, we got to do this, yeah. right? And yeah. I said, well, whenever you want. Like, And he was he was gung-ho right away. So uh, we, we didn't waste time. I'll take that as a compliment. 100%.
Uh, look, we've 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 crushed at least one topic that was on the list here with the the Blue Jays thing, so we can move on to other things. But first, I got to get another beer. I've yeah. been sitting here listening to you guys talk. I've I've polished off mine. So we'll take a break here. We'll be back in a sec. Stay there. All right, we're back in. That was fun. Settle down a little bit. <laughs> uh, Scott MacArthur, like the Exit Philosophy podcast with the longtime Blue Jays. Well, he's covered the Expos, covered the Jays, worked for the Jays briefly, and uh, and now back. I'm telling you, I know that there are a lot of good people within the game of baseball that know it. I don't know anybody personally that knows baseball better than Scott MacArthur. It's, that doesn't mean there aren't people. Sure. Scott, there's like a million people that know baseball better than you. I just don't know anybody. <laughs> anyway, the guy knows the game inside and out. He knows. Um, and he knows his wrestling. He identified the uh, the button there right away. Oh. So that was fun as well. Um, appreciate him. And, and yeah. we'll link to uh, to the Exit Philosophy podcast in the show notes at uh, tallcanaudio.com or wherever you're hearing us right now. Uh, look, we, there's a few different places we can go from here. I I guess maybe the easiest place to take off from is to open our second beer. Right. Let's do that. I right. can't believe I was going to forget the beer thing. Yeah. What the fuck? That's not like me, man. Because I'm starting here with a, I believe it's called, yes, it is called mm-hmm. Bobcat. It's a red ale from Cowbell. Do the Bobcat. And Sorry, I cat. can tell you that for whatever reason, with my palate, mm-hmm. there is not a cowbell beer that I have not enjoyed. Right. I don't know what it is that they I don't do. Remember where they're from? It's got to be on the can there. Uh, they're from. It's somewhere close to Lake Huron. Yeah. In kind of southwestern Ontario. Okay. Uh, I have to look up exactly. I've actually seen some of the pictures of the brewery. It looks incredible. It's in an old farmhouse. Oh, nice. Um, like a multi-level place that I would drive hours to go to, <laughs> but. I have had, um, I was first introduced to their beer at a winery I cannot pronounce in Westport. <laughs> okay. I won't even try. It's like Schadenfrozen, whatever. Sure. But the czar of sports Schadenfreude. Yes. The czar. Yes. Just the czar. But there's a great, it's unbelievable winery in Westport that you can go and they have this huge tent and it overlooks the water and they got the tastings and everything else. Right. But I'm not a big wine drinker. So I was there with a few people that were drinking wine and I said, well, what do you have for beers? And they said, well, we have, you know, a Kolsch and we have, so oh, I'll have the Kolsch. Yeah. And it was a cowbell Kolsch. And I'm like, wow, I really like that. And so then I went and- Had to do a little research. And started drinking a little bit more. Cowbell put out a- <laughs> Uh, like a mix pack and it had a couple of different, it had a, a creamsicle, a Scott was sort of insinuating <laughs> about the well, creamsicle I, and Lloydie, uniforms. Lloydy mentioned, uh, yes, uh, Lloydy mentioned uh, on Twitter after we announced that you were going to be uh, coming here every week, he said to me, welcome to your Rattler years as if uh, maybe that's, yeah, but that's, that's the lever sage speed but that's, of beer. again, and I want to make this really clear, okay? <laughs> I get, because I do it too, I get that people have this reputation. And when people think that they know something, it's actually probably about a 10-year-old take right. 
on what they think that person or thing or whatever is mm -hmm. because it's just what they knew from 10 years ago. It's a long this, time to this, wash it out. This Radler take okay. is not a th It's like Creed. It's just not a thing. Well, it's okay? a thing. Creed, yeah. Creed is a thing. Well, Creed it is. is Creed is I, back, baby. I kept... With arms wide open. Being told that they were my favorite band. Yes. And they were never my favorite band, but they continued, the Creeches, the Bundas, <laughs> the Loities of the World, to tell me that... And look at the comeback they're making. Right. Incredible. On the so, back of Lever Sage come, yeah, come back. Exactly. Yeah. So this Radler take. They're all going higher. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Yes. Nailed it. Lloydy, I like a lot of his sports takes, yeah. but man, oh man, he is. You don't like a lot of his lead takes. No, he's just 10 <laughs> years behind everything and that's fine. Okay. <laughs> like good for him. Okay. It's awesome. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's not a Radler thing, but the, the cowbell, I really like the Kolsch. They put out a cerveza. Right. I really like that. Yeah. Uh, they did come out with this mix pack where they had a few different, they had a a nitro stout nice. that they had that was- Now you're quite, talking no, my language. Yeah, but everything they have has this kind of crispness, and I don't know if it's the green that they use. I'd like to actually know a little bit more about their process because there isn't something I haven't had that I haven't liked, but I have not tried the red- Ale, Bobcat right. from Cowbell. Okay. Which is now what I'm doing. So this is another one that uh, that you brought in today, actually. This is also from Ashton, but this is... No, it's from Perth. Oh, you're right. Sorry. Bridgemasters. Yes. Is which used to be... Lake Town, which used, used to, to be, be Weatherhead. Yes. This so all happened pretty quick. It did. It <laughs> went from... It's like the other brewery in Perth. So in Perth, there are two main breweries. One is called simply Perth Brewery. Right there, attached to the Wendy's. It's a great pit stop on the way down to the yes. cottage. <laughs> the other one is within walking distance. If you know Perth at all, it's... Most things are within walking distance. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a lie. Right. But it's like kitty corner to where the arena is. Okay. In Perth, where the Blue Wings play. It's right play. at the uh, edge of the bridge. Yes. No, literally... The bridge is right beside the yeah. brewery. In theory, this is where the bridge master would have lived back it, in the day. In theory. In theory. But it was called Weatherhead theory, and then Lake Town, Lake Town, and now <laughs> Bridge Masters. Yes. And when it's, they did a lot of IPAs because Perth did a lot of like honey and pistachio yes. and- Nice like, stouts and- No, but they did, like they had a lemon ginger, they have a grapefruit. I see what you're saying. They but, have a lot yeah. of different- kind of big, powerful flavors, right. but they didn't have like the IPAs. And so Weatherhead came in and they had like six different IPAs and all kinds of different stuff. Lake Town kind of did the same thing. And when Bridgemasters has taken over, they've stuck with a few of the staples that people went to that particular yeah. place to get. It's not a big town. But they- So but they better also, do something different. Yeah. But they also have made a couple of you know alterations. And one of those is- like every few months they do kind of a fruit, wheat, beer. They did a blueberry lemonade, I believe I brought in at one point for you. Yeah. That was they, the same time I think you brought in the peanut butter and jam. Uh, yeah. That was great too. But they did a cherry lime in the summer. That yeah. was unbelievable. And now they're doing a raspberry hibiscus. Yeah. And which I'm, is the one that you're drinking. Yeah. And it's coming across very nice. I'm enjoying it. Like it's not too sweet. 
as we throw it back to NWO. Yeah, exactly. Scotty yeah. saying he was throwing up the click sign. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's a nice raspberry flavor as opposed to being like, oh my God, this is way too over the top right. or too subtle or what I find, your- I find their flavors are very, what I would call realistic as opposed to a bit of an artificial taste yeah. of a flavor. I can see that. Yeah. Um, the stuff that they do, it actually tastes like a raspberry is in the can. Right. As opposed to what I would call a manufactured artificial raspberry flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few places we could go. Why don't we talk some hockey and why don't we start with, uh, Travis Dermott, NHL rebel. Yeah. Uh, we talked on this show a couple different times that, uh, last year about the, the pride jerseys thing and people not wanting to wear them. And so now it's becoming a thing in the locker rooms. And so over the course of the summer, the league decides, okay, we're not going to do those jerseys on ice anymore during warmups. And you're kind of like. I thought that was powerfully lame, but it is what, what are you going to do, right? You can't force people to wear stuff they don't want to wear. But then the pendulum swung way too far in the other direction. It was like, by the way, nobody can use the pride tape. And half the time it's barely noticeable, man. Like it's, and we went from, you can't force people to wear something to forcing people to not do anything. And that was, Pretty brutal. And, we, and we've dug into it. It's, it's been covered. And so last week, Travis Dermott decides, I believe it was on Saturday, uh, at the Arizona Coyotes home opener, I'm using the tape on, uh, up on the shaft of his stick. He doesn't tweet about it. There's no, hey, look at me. There's no, fuck you, NHL. It's just, yeah, I don't care. I'm using it. I, I, this is the way I feel, and this is what I want to do. I want to mm-hmm. be an ally to this community, and, and so I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And... The Athletic reached out on Saturday night or Sunday morning, I can't remember, to the NHL head office and said, will he be fined? You know, this is against the rules now. And Bill Daly responded and said, in due course, you know, it will be investigated. And That's uh, a, such a Bill Daly answer, isn't it? <laughs> and so on Tuesday, it comes out that, uh, yeah, he's not going to be fined and we're rescinding the rule. And I looked at that. And I, look, Travis Dermott did this for the right reasons. As Mm -hmm. I pointed out a minute ago, he wasn't centering himself out. He didn't make a big deal of it. He wasn't crapping all over the league to the media when he was asked about this afterwards. He did this because this is what he believed in. But he left the NHL with only two choices. You can rescind this rule that is making you look terrible. People don't like this. People are upset about this and you can rescind it right now and stop going against the grain or you can double down on looking like an asshole and fine him, which is only going to make your PR problem worse. I don't know that Travis Dermott knew that going in. Was that pre, uh, pre-planned? Was mm-hmm. that... Uh, but that's what he did. That's what he gave the league as their options. And they really didn't have any other choice but to go, yeah, okay, we probably overswung here a little bit. I'm curious what your take on the whole thing was now that the rule has been uh, rescinded and players are well, going to be allowed to use. This isn't the jerseys. We're not going all the way back to everybody wearing the jerseys. This is you can use the tape to support causes you believe in. Tape, shoes, skates, different pieces of equipment. I do understand 
sometimes if leagues want to at least ha- have a policy for jerseys. Yeah, you don't want stuff all over the uniform that becomes looking like European hockey. Right? Well, <laughs> yeah, you have a league to run and people are familiar with those jerseys in particular. But in saying that, it's really easy to sit up here and criticize the National Hockey League. Fun, too. And it is fun, and that's what everyone does, and it should be done. The fact that this even came to this in the first place is just, it, it's, it's mind-boggling to me how we got from, look, the protecting of the few, and that's... That's what this was. Right. And that's what it's always been about. And If that's, we let guys use the tape and 15 or 16 of them choose to use it and two don't, well, now those two guys look bad and they're going to, you know, be asked to back up their opinion. Yeah. Right. That's what's going to happen. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what's always bothered me most about this. And it doesn't mean that it's this particular thing as opposed to something else. Yeah. It's why... Are we living in this world where we're worried about the feelings of a few when the vast majority of people think and want to do something? Yeah, at the expense of the majority. Right. Yeah. And I hate to bring their names into it, but hey, the stalls were front Mm -hmm. and center last year. And you know what? This is where I sort of got... Ivan Provorov... Yeah. James Reimer. I don't care what you believe in and what those people want to do. They have every right to do. Mm -hmm. But so do the people that want to do it. And if the people want to wear the jerseys in warm up, if they want to tape their sticks or skates or. As long as you're not breaking league policy in terms of your own corporate sponsors. They should be allowed to do that. And as you said, if. On a team, if 18 or 19 of the 22 people want to do something and two or three don't. Sorry, man. We're doing it. No, we're not only doing it, but (laughs) I don't care if people come up and ask you, why don't you tell them why you don't want to do that? And and that's the thing. It's the fallout, right? If you don't want to tell them. That's on you and you're the one that's going to look bad. But if you want these rights and you want to be able to stand up and go, I'm not taping my stick. I am not doing whatever. You don't have to, but you can answer the question. You don't have to, but you make millions of dollars and play (laughs) in this like ultra rich, fancy Mm -hmm. elite league at some point. Oh my God. Somebody's asking you a question of a stance that you're taking and you want to sit there and have the right to not answer that question and be protected by the league. Get lost. Yeah. Like I could care less about watching the stalls ever again in my life. And it's not because I think that they're not going along with a, with a policy or they're not doing something that other people want to do, but stand up and answer the question. Like, you're not doing something for a reason. Yeah. Have the backbone. I was going to say something uh, else. Yeah. Have the backbone to stand up and believe in what you believe in. If you're just two good Christian boys who couldn't possibly support the gay rights thing, you probably shouldn't be photographed in all kinds of different newspapers as being out drunk and naked and being picked up by the cops on the side of the road because it's like, was that your good Christian beliefs too? Was that 
oh, but we were young and we didn't know what we womp, were doing. Womp, womp. And if you look, everyone do has whatever the, you want. Everyone do has the right you want. to yeah. feel and decide what it is that they believe in and they want to do. Yeah, everyone has the right to do it. But if you are one of the few and you're going to make a choice to not do something that clearly a lot of people are deciding is a good thing and you're not going to do it. Okay. But people are going to ask you and you should stand up and tell people then exactly why it is that you don't, you want to go in a different direction because you should be, that should be no issue with you because you've decided not to do it. You're the one that's, so I, I, I'm with you here, man. You know that, and I, I, oh, it I went me crazy. I went through this last year when they did the jersey thing, right? And I disagreed with these guys, obviously Provorov and and Reimer and the Stalls and whatever else. And Eric Stahl was the worst, going, "I'd never wear this. I've never worn this." But he like, wore there's it for, photographs of you in Montreal. In Montreal, you played for the Canadians. You think nobody took a picture? Are you crazy? Yeah, but. I'm going to lie you and can, hope that somebody doesn't call me on it. Yeah, nobody on Twitter has enough time to go and Google Eric Stahl Pride Night. Uh, look, you go and do this, you can you can get me there. You can talk me into, it was unfair to ask these guys to wear a jersey that's something that they don't believe in. Mm-hmm. They're, they're really, like, you can get me there. I still disagree with you, but you can get me there that you can't force people to wear something they don't want to wear. Yeah, You can't force everyone else who does believe it to not use it. Right. To me, that... And I had someone, when I commented on this and, and posted about it on Twitter, say, I'm a fascist. A fascist. Now, this is someone who doesn't own a dictionary, but to force everybody to not do something they believe in, that's fascism. That is right. fascism. The, the part where these guys want to do something and then they do it, that's not fascism. That's freedom. That's society. That's me saying, here's what I believe right now. And, and so, but when you tell the whole world, okay, instead of just stopping it, we can't force everyone to wear the jersey. I get that. But to go all the way the other way, go, so nobody can. But stop. The entire just stop. Right. The entire issue here is people who believe. Not knowing what fascism means? Yeah. Well, <laughs> but people who believe in something, whatever it is that they believe in, Believe it, but oh, be, yeah. but be accountable for it. Yep. And that's it. It's like, we want to believe in something, but we don't want to be accountable when somebody comes to ask right. us. We want to be protected, yes. but we still want to believe in this thing that nobody, not nobody, but like some other people, most other people don't believe in. We want to stick to our convictions. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, but be accountable for them. But understand, yeah, someone might ask you a question about it. Uh, on Tuesday night, the NHL tried for the first time their frozen frenzy. All 32 game, uh, teams were in action, led to 16 games, and they sat down. This was apparently an ESPN idea to stagger them every 15 minutes. The Leafs went first at 6 o'clock, 6.15, 6.30. The Sens went at 6.45, and on and on and on, up until 11 o'clock when uh, the Vegas Golden Knights yep. and Philadelphia Flyers dropped the puck. Little, little rough on Flyers fans to be an 11 o'clock start, but such is the way it panned out. This really Rough wasn't that freaking team. Yeah, that's fair. There's this really wasn't a thing in Canada. There was apparently some discussions over the summer between TSN and Sportsnet. Can we agree on you get this game, you get that game, and we could do something similar? That would have been complicated, and we'll get to this in a second, by the MLB playoffs. 
being on Sportsnet. Mm-hmm. But this really wasn't that big of a deal in Canada, other than the fact that, hey, everyone's playing and your team might start at a weird time. Like I said, the Leafs were on at 6, Sens were on at 6.45. Get there early, I guess. Um, I talked to Lloydie a little about this. I wasn't super against the idea, but it, it also wasn't something that got me particularly excited. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, give it a shot, I guess. Uh, we can get into some of the games specifically and who might be in trouble, who might be looking good or whatever, but does this idea have merit to you at all? No, the concept is great. Okay. Um, the execution, the delivery, the marketing, everything sucked ass. And so <laughs> when you do something like this, this is a good idea, and I want to start there. Mm-hmm. And I don't give a rat's you know what about the the rights and the the idea that okay, you have the rights in Canada if you're Sportsnet or in the states if you know whoever has the rights. Right. The Leafs and Sens are on TSN. The Oilers right. are on Sportsnet. Whoever has the, the rights. Yeah. I don't care who has the rights. When the league comes up with a concept, if you have the rights, come up with a way to fulfill your requirement and fill the games. Their requirement, though, is just to show you the game, and they did. The game that my, they had the rights but to. But my point is, if you started out the year and decided that on, to me, the Winter Classic has sort of come and gone from certainly Canadian... Um, well, let's just say what everybody says as a TV product is sort of like, all right, whatever. If it's in your city, it's really fun. No, but it's fun. try and put yourself in the perspective of living in, um, Tennessee. I'm Ugh. just picking a state. <laughs> Sorry, Tennessee. Why? What's wrong with Tennessee? <laughs> Nashville and Memphis and great. Uh, what's wrong with Tennessee? They're letting horribly scarred people who've committed atrocities. Okay. Well, I'm not getting political. I'm just. I was going more more for the funny wrestling angle, but (sighs) Mayor Kane. Glenn Jacobs. Yeah. I know. Okay. The whole point. He killed his parents. The whole point. (laughs) The whole point is that if you live in Tennessee and you don't give, you know what about hockey and the winter classic was kind of the kickoff to your watching of the NHL because the NFL and college football got in your way in the fall. And now the Winter Classic, I think, served a purpose on the Mm -hmm. beginning of January for American viewers to be able to say, okay. Well, they eventually moved it to get away from college football. Right, but now I'm going to get into hockey because this is really the, the kickoff of the important time. Yes. If you branded this idea and decided to make a huge deal out of it, and you put it on a Saturday and you put it yeah. in, into a time where you had three or four months to market it properly and to go, every team is playing. Everyone's going to be represented. We're going to do like an outdoor game that day. We're going to have sure. games at noon. We're going to have games at midnight. We're going to have games like. We're going to actually schedule some rivalries yes. and some divisional matchups so the, into this instead of it just being a random Tuesday. And to have them all be staggered. Yeah. Where. One, One of them starts two, four, like last night when I was flipping around, it was great because where the Sen Sabres fell as opposed to the Devils Canadians and watching to Foley from Hughes and to Foley from Hughes and to Foley from Hughes <laughs> was so nice. Um, 
I was able to flip around. I think Jack Hughes number one in points right now, isn't he? The best thing, anyway. one of the best, no, he is the leader okay. of the NHL. No, 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 he is. And one of the best things I ever did was that, like the day he got drafted, I said in five years, Jack, Jack Hughes will be a top five NHL player. I got scoffed at. I got laughed at. And that probably carried on a while for it, two, oh, three years. A it, while. It, he was not and showing And guess it. what? <laughs> We're at the end of it. And guess who is going right to be there. a top He's five? Right there. And with the injury to McDavid, I'm telling you <laughs> that this guy will be in discussion for the MVP. I could see it. Now, McDavid's not going to be out that long, but. I get it. Yeah. But Connor McDavid's He's going to be in the discussion. Connor McDavid way. scored, I want to say that I'm right on this, 64 last year. I think that's right. And had never scored more than 44 before that. Yep. He's, Look, that, there was no doubt he came out of that and went. Ah, I see. But he's never give an MVP to somebody else because he scores more. Fuck you, I'll score more. Right. But <laughs> and just decided now I'm the best goal scorer. Uh, agreed. <laughs> but he's never getting to 64 again. I'll say it right now. Ooh, that's juicy. Yep. He's never getting to 64 like again. People peak. And I know this point yeah. was made that in their prime and they, but to say he'll never do it again. I don't know. That's... Well, when Gretzky got to 215 in points and oh, okay. Lemieux got to all these things, they never got to all these marks again. So he's not getting, okay, point is, he's not getting to 64. Fair enough. And especially with And you the, got to watch him last night on Frozen Frenzy, on Tuesday night. As the, we come all the way back around. Right. You're so good at this. I am. That's humble. The, nah. <laughs> the concept here is a good concept because for a hockey fan or someone who's starting to get into the game, the fact that you could watch hockey all day and flip and see every single team and every star that you, between McDavid and McKinnon and whoever you yep, want to see, sure. you can see them on that day. And Jason maybe, Robertson and the stars go, doing their thing. Yeah, right? but like, you want to see... Kachuk against Matthews. Logan Cooley. Right? Yeah, no, you're you right. See, you need better matchups. Yeah. Get the rival rivalries, as you said. Yeah. Stagger the games. Have them go all day. This is a great concept. In and get o- out of October. In October on a Tuesday? This is a terrible concept. You, you Terrible. It, you end up, and they couldn't have predicted it, but it wasn't horribly unpredictable that you end up also up against the NLCS Game 7. That's mm-hmm. going to happen to you. In late October, yep. right? You got to be aware of that. In March, you probably, if like that's, I would want to see this in March. Playoff races in full swing. I probably want to do it just before March Madness starts. Mm-hmm. The NFL is done. Baseball hasn't started yet. You kind of have, it's just you and the NBA, right? And so you could pick a Saturday, you know, March 20th, something like that. And like you said, start the thing at noon. Noon, 12.31, and all through the day. Yeah. So I don't dislike the idea. I, it, to me, I, what I said to Lloydie when he was in here was, it felt to me like a Tuesday came up on the schedule where everyone was playing, and then someone went, hey, what if we right. spread it out, we'll adjust all the times, as opposed to designing a day where the matchups are all the, what you would want to see, whether it be Leafs, Sens, and, and they'll never tell you that. Devil's so Rangers. We'll never know no. that. But as you said, with some of the matchups, this looked like a happy accident. Yes. As opposed to pre-planning out. Agreed. It, the concept's good, but not like 
people in October, especially in Canada too, right? Yeah. You're still getting into the swing of mm -hmm. your fall routine, whether that's work or school. Well, and or... I'm not even shitting on people in the set. Like the N the NHL will not move. Everyone keeps saying you got to get the Stanley Cup final out of June. The way you do that is to start earlier, and the American teams want no part of it against college football, yeah. the NFL. The Hurricanes aren't doing that in Carolina. Nashville's not doing that. Dallas ain't doing that. Like, they don't. So the American fans, even in, in fan bases that are good NHL hockey fan bases in the U.S. that get crapped on for no reason, it's a struggle for them mm -hmm. in October. It's, it was too soon to do this. And like I said, to me, it just this just appeared on the schedule by accident, and then they went, okay, Let's make it a thing. But there's no way last night that people went into last night, the majority of people, of course, there are going to be a couple and we'll hear from them yeah. and you'll tell me how wrong I am. And <laughs> But the majority of people, okay, I got tickets to go see Saber Sense. Right. Looked at their ticket and went, oh my God, the game's at 645? What, what the that? hell? Yeah. And are surprised I by it. it from Orleans. I got to leave work early. <laughs> No, but they're surprised by it. Yeah. Instead of four months of marketing yes. to know this is happening on a day. And guess what? On one Saturday, we're going to play at 1.45 in the afternoon or we're going to play at 5.15. Right. Okay. See, I, I, you know me, like I'm as, I'm, at, I'm as tied into Leafs Twitter as I am into Send's Twitter at this point, right? Yeah, of course. And so I'm seeing all kinds of people on Tuesday night going, Why, what is going on? Why are the Leafs starting... At six. And it's not because they're judgmental. It's not because they think the Leafs shouldn't be starting. It's that they have no idea this bigger thing is going on. And so you were the one who got scheduled to go early. It's just kind of this weird anomaly for the Leafs that's like, well, why are they doing that? Well, they got everybody playing, so they're trying to pick and choose who's going to go when. It's, it's just, and I think it was probably like that for a lot of people, as you point out. Why is the Sens game at 6.45? I'm a Rangers fan. Why are we playing at 7.45 instead of 7.30 or 8? Like, yeah. this is, it's odd. It just snuck up on people yeah. because they didn't market this properly. Yeah. The idea is sound. It's fine, yeah. The execution, yeah. not very good. So I texted you on Tuesday night with uh, some show notes, things mm. for us to talk about. And uh, as that was happening, uh, things were sort of falling apart for the Sens. They did make it interesting in the third period. But don't, you would sort of... Don't care. Okay. You would sort of outlined... You'd already sort of had enough of the sense. You were already pretty flustered with how things were going, man. Take it away. Have I framed that wrong? No. No. I am I am utterly perplexed at why this team has gone about some of the things that they have. And when you watch them defend it's a nightmare. <laughs> it is like, has this team ever even been on the ice together? And if they have, I actually don't fault the coach as much as other people do. Wow, okay. um, I'm probably sure that somebody should have told Anton Forsberg he wasn't playing in the was third period. Ugly. So no. for anyone who missed it, Forsberg comes out for the third period, goes to the net. He's been pulled. He's not going to play. Travis Hamannick has to skate over and kind of go like, hey get out of here. Right? Like It's not you. The coach cannot allow that guy to skate out into a full barn and not knowing nope. and embarrass him like that. That was awful communicate. Now, as a one-off, it still sucks. It's not grounds to fire the coach, but if you throw it on the pile of things that enough people are already 
saying our grounds to fire the coach. Now we have a conversation. Well, we do about the coach. And unfortunately for the coach, they've now played six games. Five of them at home are three and three. And I've lost to like the Buffaloes. And the Detroit, the the ones you're going to be battling with here. And have beat Philly. Yep. Terrible. (laughs) Um, I can't, I honestly, I can't remember who else. Who else did they? they, (laughs) Washington. Awful. That's right. And they had one and they beat Tampa. Yep. Like, okay. Like Tampa's not what they used to be. Regular season. Vasilevsky's out. And they come in like they're okay, but they're no, not. But that's great. not a great win. No, like beating Tampa without Vasilevsky. When and you, some guy making his NHL debut, when, I believe. Yeah, when you're at home, yeah, and they're traveling is not a great win. No. So in the three wins, they don't have a good win, and I know they have some bad losses because I've watched them, <laughs> and so that line last night of what was it Norris? Night. Yeah, sorry. It's all right. Oh, we do it this way. Well, we don't we, dare. we dick around and then we say it like that. <laughs> Tuesday night, Norris, Batherson, and Kubalik. Do you know what they were? No. Minus 12. <laughs> right? Minus 12. Now, I don't love plus minus. No. But that is a statement. Minus I, 12 means something. No, I, I don't either. You can get a bad bounce and be on the ice yeah, and whatever, 100%, 100%. whatever. But if you're minus 12. One in line one is game, minus 12? Yeah. That, that mean, That's a statement. That means you're, you're not only got a bad bounce or two, but you're playing in your end and making bad decisions all of the time. So who are you blaming? Because Josh Norris is clearly still trying to yep. get going, right? And he's normally a pretty good two-way guy. I swore up and down coming into this season, I expected a really big bounce back year from Drake, ba- uh, yeah, Drake Batherson, mm-hmm. and I didn't have any idea what to expect out of Kubalik. Uh, it's he was the throw-in guy. No, for, he's for he's a throw-in guy, but he's fine. But he's but you know who's not fine. Hmm. I'm going to take some heat from this from Sens fans, mm-hmm. and I don't care until Drake Batherson proves that he can play defense yeah. and play in his own end. Yeah. Um, he is a liability. From the red line back. Now, the kid is super gifted offensively. The guy has great instincts. He he can score. He can pass. He can do a lot of very good things. Smart guy in the power play. But man, oh man. You know him, who's supposed to teach defense. Him and Debrinket last year <laughs> spent the year at like minus 60 something. And I don't even know where they finished. But between them, they were on the ice for like 60 more goals against than they were for in they were on the ice for some goals for. But this seems to be the consensus about the coaching is that no one knows how to defend. No one knows where to go. Right. No one knows what to do. Right. And this far into it, you should have a system set. Right. If you, and, and But is that hard to do when you're at practice and two U of O players are at... Yeah, so we did have uh, a couple of University of Ottawa defensemen filling in on two, uh, Monday, I guess. Monday. But look, that happens. Sure, guys get... But it, but it up. doesn't happen in the first couple of weeks of the season. Like, make it, folks, you can tell me that other teams have done this, but what you can't tell me is that other teams have started a man short on opening night. One guy, two guys get hurt, and they have university players at their practice just a couple of weeks into the season. Give me, a, like, first stop. First Saturday of but the year stop. last year for the Leafs backup goalie, University of Toronto. Right. Stop <laughs> apologizing for mistakes 
that management are making. Yeah. And these are absolute mistakes. I know like their biggest problem, the Sens, is that they can't defend and they have no idea how to defend. Right. And until, unfortunately, the coach and probably the GM are changed, I'm not sure they're going to be able to. I hope they can. Oh, someone's got to come in here and put in a defense. But system. I'm not sure that they're going to be able to. Yeah. Then this group healthy with Pinto in the lineup maybe outscores some more of its problems. But if you want to defend like a playoff team, it's pretty clear at this point someone else is going to have to come in here and put that system in. And, it's not going to be this And guy. when you're hoping because you know in the back of your mind that your team can't defend, you're hoping that a goalie can pick up the slack. And when the goalie doesn't pick up the slack, you want to blame them. Yeah. Um, I didn't see a lot of people blame Forsberg for Tuesday night. Okay. Well, hand up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Second goal, awful. Third goal, awful. And you can tell me, oh, it got tipped. You know where it got tipped? It got tipped at the top of the circles with nobody in front of the net. That's basically a shot that's coming at half speed right. from the top of the circles, and you can't stop it? Are you flipping kidding me? Corpusallo and Forsberg have been average at best and are probably average goalies at best. And unfortunately for them, like most goalies in this city, they're put in a position where yeah. they're expected to be the savior. They're expect well, we don't defend great, but the goalie should pick us up. And when the goalie doesn't pick you up, you blame the goalie. Right. Well, I have seen yeah. Go I, am, ahead. Go I, ahead. I am going to go up here where I the management and say until you actually have somebody that can be a savior when you have average goaltending, which they do. Yeah. And you have below average defending in your own end from a five man unit. I don't mean that just the defense. We just yeah, talked no, about Batherson, course. but there's a lot of guys that don't do their job. They don't know. They don't know how or they That's are it. unwilling. It, to me, it looks more like they don't know what to do as uh, opposed to they but, can't do it. But come on. Like at, at some point, you're, you've played in the NHL and you've had years under your belt and you don't know where to be in your own end, even if nobody told me. I've played now enough games, if I'm some of those guys, to go, I see this opening, I see this guy uncovered, I better get there. these guys have been under this system the whole time? Like, Shabbat has the last... He's been here the whole time for this. Brandstrom has played the overwhelming majority of his NHL. I don't know if you ever saw the ice in Vegas before he got traded. Uh, here to Ottawa. That's a young player, though. That's Jake Sanderson, who's excelling in spite of the coaching. Um, again, his NHL games have all been under these coaches. Like, if you want to put in a system yeah. where everyone knows my job's to be here, don't go there. That guy's there's someone else who's supposed to be there. Just because they're not there doesn't mean I should abandon my spot. Like, you have to have a system in place, and they just don't. They just don't. And so, or, or they do, and it's just so. Do you think they got under six dumb defensemen? And, no, I think they're. I think they got a shit system or no system. And if you brought someone else in here to lay something, I think Shabbat, Chikrin, Sanderson, like these guys are talented enough. If you gave them a plan, even a guy, like we talk about the forwards, right? Batherson, if you tell him this is where to go, he's a smart enough player. He can do that. But no one is giving him clearly. A marked directions on this is what to do. Or, and bear with me here, mm-hmm. or I'm Drake Batherson. I come back. I have no idea what I'm doing in my own end. And they score. 
And I come back to the bench and my head's down and I'd be like, man, I was terrible on that play. Hey, Drake, go out the next shift. Yeah. But what diff? like, I don't know what you're trying to sell me there. Like, did he come back and not know what to do? Or was he not told what to do? I'm trying to sell you on, they don't give a crap. Uh, I I don't believe that. No, no. Listen, maybe I'm not explaining this properly. They don't give a crap because when they make a mistake, nobody pays for the mistake. So when Drake Batherson or anybody else gets bent, last year, Shane Pinto made one mistake and he got benched yeah. as a rookie. Yeah. Drake Batherson and Debrinkit were mine. I said, oh, we can't bench them. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're like the, the top two lines. Old we can't boys, bench yeah. them. Yeah. No, that's fair. No, DJ Smith. What is, you're saying is fair. His biggest strength and why he is still the coach is also the biggest issue that he has as a coach. The reason he is still the coach, and make no mistake, that he is the coach of the Sens because he came in as a player's coach yeah. and he earned, and I don't want to say he just got, he earned with his work ethic the trust of yep. Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzla, they like they want Drake Batherson. Now, and, tell me, I, I, and you they probably wa- didn't see this. I, I, I'm only interrupting you because I think it furthers your point. On Wednesday, we saw... You probably saw the video already go around on Tuesday night that as we talked about the Forsberg having to be told by Travis Hamnick, yep. yeah, come on out or whatever. And so um, Mike McKenna, journeyman AHL goalie who's now become a bit of a, yep. a media guy, he he tweets out that that's unacceptable. That's not an, a good enough show of respect right. to your goaltender. Michael Delzato, who was a part of this organization, mm-hmm. replies underneath and just says, par for the course. And that tweet stays up for about... 25 minutes and then he deletes it. Mm -hmm. I think what you're saying is correct. I've always heard the same thing. The players are the reason that DJ Smith is still here. They like him. Mm -hmm. They respect him. They want to keep him. But that apparently... The top players. And that's exactly what I was going to ask you. That apparently is not a blanket statement. No. There are some guys who apparently aren't feeling that same love for DJ. I'm not going to blame DJ Smith for going in with, I'm a rookie head coach. What's the one thing that I have to do to not only keep my job, but to probably have success later on is in the early years when we're losing, I got to have the trust and respect of the top guys, Yeah, not the middle six, not the bottom six, not the, you know. I got to sit at the cool kids table. I got to be the (laughs) four or five guys that I know are still going to be here in four or five years. I got to have their respect and whatever else happens, whatever. Now, yeah. I'm not even saying that's a bad philosophy because you would expect in four or five years... Some people would tell the, you that's the Mike Babcock approach. But the team would be a lot better. And by the time I I get there, let's say I do that. And by the time I get there and I ha- I still have the respect of the, the Kachucks and the Stutzlas and the Sandersons and the Shabbats, my team is going to be better, right? You would hope. Yep. Well, it ain't. And that's not the coach's fault necessarily. It's more the GM and the fact that the GM has been the GM of a team that hasn't made the playoffs in six straight years and doesn't have Shane Pinto in the lineup because of salary cap. And don't mistake that, folks. It has nothing to do with Pinto sulking. It has everything to do with with salary cap. And he's got university players and he's gone through 15 goaltenders and all of this stuff to make excuses. Unfortunately... This is not a personal attack on Pierre Dorian or DJ Smith. It's a results-oriented business. 100%. And when your team has not made the playoffs in six years and you don't see a remarkable improvement in their play, why are they still there? 
So this is a serious mood change, though, and we we need to move on. But I want to like they lost to Carolina to start. Whatever you didn't have Norris, you didn't have Pinto. Carolina's an awesome team. Yeah, it happens. They played okay in that ha- game. They just happens. had that's ba- right. bad goaltending. So you, and you come home, you win two in a row on three, opening two, weekend. Three in a row. Sorry, oh, yeah, I just sorry. meant the two on yeah. that weekend. They come home. Now the vibes are good. You had that great home opener. Everybody's excited again. Mm-hmm. The vibes have returned, and we sit here now. They're three and three. Mm-hmm. Is uh, you know you're unhappy with what's played out here this week. Is it is it panic time? Or is there still, you know, come out, just play a better game on Thursday and get back on track? Panic time in regards to what? This team was way... Making the playoffs. Yes, it's panic time then. Because this team was way better last year, and they weren't very good, but they were way better. They started 4-2 and two and then no, but went they were off way, again. But if you look over the course of the season, their record at home was way better than it was on the road. Right. And that, to me, is matchups. That's it. It's matchups. When you're protecting your young players and putting them out against the team's second best lines, shift after shift after shift, and on the road they're getting torched, (laughs) well, you better win your home games. Right. Last year, they started with 12 of their first 17 at home, and look what their record was when they absolutely had to have a great start. Well, they played six games, five of them at home. Yeah. They're three and three. And things are going to get a lot tougher when they go out on the road. It hasn't exactly been tough either, right? Like no, the, nothing's the been tough. Play- yeah. No, no, nothing has been tough. They've played one good team in the first six. Yeah. And they, uh, look, Detroit's up top. DeBrinket's going crazy. If you think they're a good team and they're going to be up top, the standing's good for you. I don't. No. But you want to call But De- all these points count. They're, you they're banking a, a few. Yeah, you yeah. want to call Detroit a good team. Okay, I, I guess. I, I had Detroit sort of in the same area as Ottawa and Buffalo, maybe just a step But that's below, the point. A, a step below. No, but they're average. Yeah. Like, they're, yeah. I don't think they're a horrible team. But if they keep ringing off a couple here, but you they're get, not the you top. To, no, but you get to keep all those points. They're not yeah. the top five or 10 of the NHL. That's no, all I'm saying. That's right. So, who have you played so far this year that gives you a, a barometer of how your team is? You played it's, five of six at home. It's just Carolina and, and Tampa. Tampa, okay. think what you want. Like, Tampa could still. If when Vasilevsky gets back, could end up being a top ten team. Yeah, but he wasn't back that. No, night. I understand. But in terms of who you're played against, it's Carolina and it's Tampa. I'd be worried. You beat one, you lost. I'd be one. worried because I've lost three of my first six. I've lost three games at uh, two games at home. Yeah, I've lost a game in Carolina. I don't know how to defend. I got better matchups at home. And let's call a spade a spade. All four teams that are going to Sweden in November are going to come back and struggle. Everybody does. Everyone who comes back from Europe for those next couple weeks, it's a grind. It, it just, it knocks you out of your rhythm. It's not the same. Colorado, apparently two years ago, sent a memo at the end of the season saying that's rougher than you think it is. They went mid-season. Um, and I think that was the year they actually won the cup. But they said for the next six, five, six weeks, you're, you're just not the same. So count on Toronto, Ottawa, Minnesota, and Detroit all kind of stumbling when they get back from Sweden. So you need to bank some wins now before you go. I, I know you're clearly not buying what I'm selling on the Europe trip. I'm not. No, I I get so you're working me up again because I get so angry at the excuses that we give people 
So, so Colorado. What, so hold on, hold on. No, hold, hold on. Let me have this just before you go, because Colorado did not make an excuse. Colorado did not come back and immediately send the memo and say, "Don't ever ask us to do this again." Colorado waited for the season to end, mm-hmm. and in their feedback to the league, said, "Hey, that section when we got back, that's mm-hmm. harsh, man. That's rough. You should know that when you're sending teams over in the future." Okay. Waited for the season to be done. To huh. me, that wasn't sour grapes. Okay. So, first of all, how long do you know is the flight? From Ottawa to no, no. Stockholm? No, no, oh, no, okay. no, no. Okay. Matt, just listen. Oh. Edmonton. Oh. To Tampa Bay. To South Florida. To the Florida Panthers. To Miami. Got to be at least four and a half, five hours. Okay. How long is the flight from New York or Philadelphia or to Stockholm? Never done it direct. It was uh, six to or five and a half from Toronto to Heathrow, and then another hour and a half or so to Stockholm. When yeah. I so they'll have a charter, obviously. That so we fairly comfortable. We can one. at least agree that within an hour, this is the same flight. Yep. Okay. Number two, I haven't hold on. I haven't. It's the same flight. It is not the same number of time zones. I haven't flown a lot with NHL teams, no. but I have flown. Yeah. with the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, it's nice. Okay. I tell this story because it, it's incredible to me. I was on their charter when they played in South Florida. So they played in Sunrise and they had to fly out of Lauderdale. Right. And so that's about a half hour trip on its own. They played at 730 in Florida on a weekday night. I was in my bed at quarter to two in the morning. Okay? You, didn't, you didn't leave the time zone. That but matters, man. Sure it does. It's seven hours difference to Stockholm. Do you know how the LA Kings did last year? Were they a playoff team? They sure were. Okay. Did they go to Australia at the beginning of the year? That was this year. What's that? That was this year. They did just went with Arizona at the beginning of spring, uh, spring training. Spring training. Uh, training camp this year. Right. That was not last year. How are they doing so far? I actually have no idea. Oh, okay. off the top of my head, I don't know what the Kings' record is. But to your to your point, the Boston Bruins went to China and then came back and smashed everybody and made. Matt, the I had them. I was asked one question on the charter home. Okay. One, yeah, steak or shrimp? Took the steak, right? Yeah, yeah. But I I love <laughs> shrimp. My point is is that it's time zones, though, man. It's oh, different. I, I get it. And how long do they have when they get home? They don't, don't play for a week after they get yeah, they home. they say give it about a day per hour difference. Right. So when Colorado complained last year, they had a week off after they got home. Are you freaking kidding me about this? Honestly, charter flights, sleep, everything else. I know what the records are. I know yeah. what the actual facts are. Right. Okay. Well, those are relevant. To are the they? They won the cup. Yeah. Okay. Had a pretty good year. But they just said these couple of weeks oh, were a oh, bit of a struggle. Oh, poor babies. Look, we are so far off track. My whole point was these first couple of weeks before Ottawa has to I, go I just to, hate, to... The travel thing is, uh, is literally a non-discussion. I don't care what I don't sport. care if you buy the science or not. or buy, You just said you understand the facts that when they get back, it's going to go poorly. Everybody does. So... Get some wins now 
because they're going to be harder to get in that first week or two after you get back. From uh, you want to put yourself in that spot? Fine. You want to complain about it? Fine. They got. You just lots said of young you kids. know what happens. No, but I I don't over the last couple of years because the team that won the cup also went over there. So I just don't think it's a legitimate argument. Okay. And if you lose, it's not because. Like so far in their games, how many games has Corpus Allo started? How many games has Forsberg? I think it's even. I believe that's correct. Okay. So each goalie weeks into the season has played three times. Yeah. They're not being overtaxed. Oh my God. Like you better win. And I don't care if you're playing in Sweden. I don't care if you're playing in Australia. I don't care if you're playing in Vancouver or Ottawa or Florida. That doesn't matter anymore. Six years. You don't know how to defend. Like it's just. It's what? insane to me the excuses that people still, and I'm not saying you are doing this. I'm saying the excuses that people will give the team as reasons why that they're not performing. That's all. Uh, one of the other things we saw on the uh, Frozen Frenzy was the Edmonton Oilers blow another lead. Um, Isn't that magical every time? <laughs> so It's the best. Uh, this time McDavid out. They say, you know, a week or two, they're mm-hmm. not really sure. I I I don't agree that it's time for Ottawa to panic. I might agree it's time for Edmonton to panic. I believe they have one win to this point. Uh, you're going to go another week at least without Connor McDavid. And they're playing in a shittier division, mm-hmm. so maybe they can climb back in. But the idea that they will be coming down the stretch neck and neck with Colorado and Vegas for home ice through the Western Conference playoffs, that dream is fading fast. You worried about the Oilers? I'm going to maybe contradict myself and say I am not worried about the Oilers. Okay. Um, They have one win in their first six games. Okay. It's not ideal. It is not Um, ideal. But other than Vegas, like Vancouver's got... They're not four they're, wins. They're not good. The Kings, by the way, three, two, and one. Australia is really affecting them a lot. Um, the Flames are two, four, and one. The Kraken are two, four, and one. The Ducks are two and four. This this Edmonton Oilers team. The difference of why I would say I'm not panicking about them is because they will. They're they're too talented yeah. to not have a streak at some point during the year. Yeah, they're going to whip off and 14 then, of 16 And or then I don't actually care <laughs> about where they finish. Like, there are certain teams that to take the next step, like the Leafs yeah. or Tampa, or you don't care where they finish. It's get just, in and do are you going to get in? And are you, what are you going to do at that point? I don't care who you're playing. Yeah. Oh, you're the eight seed and you're taking, don't care. You're good enough to be in. You got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. You're not an underdog. Right. I don't care if you're the eight seed. There is there's no such thing to me in the playoffs as underdogs anymore. Like the Boston Bruins, who I told people that the Florida Panthers were going to beat them, and everyone's oh Boston, the greatest regular season in history, and <laughs> blah 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 blah. It does not matter. And I know that people use the St. Louis Blues as the example. They're only six points out of a playoff spot when they were dead last. But it only matters if you get in and how you're playing in the last couple of months before that. Am I worried that the Edmonton Oilers are not going to be there? No. I think they will be there. Because they're too talented at some point to not rip off a streak to put themselves in that spot. 
And if they finish sixth or seventh or eighth in the Western Conference, it's my belief, like if I had my last hundred bucks right now to say, are the Oilers going to make the playoffs? Yeah. What would you do? Don't, they're getting in. Okay. Yeah. So that, I'm not going to panic. Nope. Last hundred bucks. Are the Sens getting in the playoffs? Oof. <laughs> Keep it in my pocket. <laughs> right. So they might, but I'm not betting any money but, on it. <laughs> but so then there'd be reason to panic that they're not playing well again at the beginning of a season for like the umpteenth time. That's the difference yep. for me of between the Oilers and the Sens. On uh, is it Friday or Saturday? This last Red Blacks game of the uh, Saturday this season. Uh, look, actually, we got some feedback last week after you teed off on them to start the show that that said here in Lee vent. Feelings that the fans were already having was therapeutic. So I, I think he served a purpose there in terms of uh, what. So I don't know. Matt how- said I served a purpose, folks. Wow, I'm really making it. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You can't play my drop. No. So I appreciate the fact that you had another drop that I was equally as mean. I have to be prepared. <laughs> so. Look, we don't have to necessarily... You're awesome. We'll have piles of time to yeah. dissect the offseason. Last week, we already sort of kicked dirt on them, which they deserved. I'm just They're curious... They're 4-13. I'm just curious, going into the last game of the year, huh? it's a home game. What, what do you want to see? What do you have to see? Is there anything no. that they could do in no. this last game that would at least make you go, hey, I see some things? No, right? nothing. Um, sorry, Sean and Bob and Baron and Kahari and Dustin and... This guy's on name dropping all over the place. Yeah, but sorry... First name basis with everybody. That was basically the GM, the coach, the coordinators, and the quarterback. Thank you. All of those names. Yeah, all of those names. Yes. Um, I don't care what you do, and I don't think many people do in the last game. I don't care whether you win 48 to 6 or you lose 48 to 6. It does not matter to me. What matters to me as a fan and as a person who very much cares about football in the city is you told everybody that once change happened and Sean Burke came in and he let Paul Apolis play out and we all knew that that was a disaster, but I give Sean Burke credit enough that he kind of let it play out to be patient to witness see what him, this looks like to witness himself Have that to it was know going from me yeah. yeah yeah he didn't go on other people's viewpoints he went on his own and that is the way that you should do it no matter what people are telling you right so i have a lot of respect for him for that even though i personally knew it was going to end up the way that it did now i didn't think this season would end up the way that it has but it's been an unmitigated disaster yeah. I, I start from the point that I always do with you and everybody else. Second year GM, first year head coach, first year coordinator, offensively, first year defensive coordinator, fourth string quarterback. How is that team going to do? Right. And poorly. I, I start from there poorly. and go, okay, that's where my foundation is. But then what are my expectations with those people in place? My expectations were that the coach would get better, that the coordinators, because of their CFL experience, would get better, and that the fourth-string quarterback would get better. The only person in there, to me, who has gotten better is the fourth-string quarterback. Yeah. Not the coach and not the coordinators. 
So I'm going to have to have as a fan or somebody that cares about the team, I'm going to have to have a guy that I still believe in, in Sean Burke, to show me that I should come to your games because the team is different and the team has a chance to win. And until you prove that to me on the field, and they said this last year, we, we have no words, it's going to be actions. Well, your actions turned into four wins in your first 17 games. Embarrassing. So that's what we have to go on because you told us at the beginning of the year that words don't mean anything, but actions do. Now, the actions, I didn't know they were going to go through three quarterbacks, but to be quite honest with you, quarterbacks... Well, quarterback number two was not very good in the first place in Nick Arbuckle. Yeah. Quarterback three, Tyree Adams, I think had some potential. Yeah. But I actually have more faith in Dustin Crum that he's going to learn a ton over the offseason and be a better quarterback. It's Sean Burke's job right now to go, Bob Dice, do I believe in you as a coach? If the answer is yes. Then some coordinators at least have to go. Then, you can't bring all this no, back. No, you can't. And... Bob Dice got to pick his coordinators. Yeah. If I'm Sean Burke, now it's like, okay, Bob, I actually trust you as a coach. Right. I want you back. Yeah. I still think you're a good leader of this team, but I'm taking over now. I'm bringing in I'm, some experienced guys. I'm hand But it's not just the coordinators. I am going to have to take full responsibility if I'm Sean Burke to bring in players that are going to win games. And now are coordinators part of it? Probably. I'm going to have to pick the coordinators and I'm going to have to bring in better players. And now everything falls on me as the general manager in my third year. I've picked the coach. I've picked the coordinators. I've brought in the players. Yeah. It's on Sean Burke now. And I, I, I think he can do it. I really do. But it's time for him to show that and don't care what happens in game 18. I care about, showing me the change that's going to happen and the, the the people and the personnel that are going to be put into place for this thing to turn around. And if Oseg is really of their word, right. which I heard President Adrian Sierra this week say, Sean Burke's coming back. I don't know why they had to do that personally. I actually would not have done that because I probably just would have let people assume. Let people assume that, you know what? They, the the one, vote of confidence is almost always. No, I just don't think it serves. Death. I don't think it serves any purpose. The team was four and thirteen, and they sucked. Yeah. So announcing that the well, the GM is safe and he's going to cut. Why? Why? Do you know what I didn't question all year long? And I, I think that this is actually a good thing. I didn't question the fact that when they sucked in week, whatever, 10, 11, 12, I thought as a fan, I never questioned who was going to be the quarterback. Dustin Crum was was the quarterback. He's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. See, I knew you were going to bring up a Romo Terrell Owens reference. And you know what? We deserve that because <laughs> Romo needs, yes. But they did a good job at just nobody, quite, like how much talk or radio or TV play did it get of, do you think you should change quarterback? Zero. Do you know why? Because he was a rookie quarterback that people saw. Because he was your fourth string. Did you think, what, we got a fifth stringer who might be the answer sitting behind him? But he kept he kept going out there. Yeah. 
And that's good, isn't it? He kept learning. But isn't it good that people didn't question that? He's I just don't know what was left to question. No, but there was no one else to play. But he wasn't winning games, and you could have put yeah. Nick Arbuckle back in. You could have uh, put. Yes, you could have put. Nick you could have put other people in, but they kept going with Dustin Crum, and I think that was I the expected right. Dustin Crum was going to get himself killed during this season. He but, just kept holding on to the ball and I getting know. absolutely. Yeah, smashed. but you know what? I'm okay with that as a four string guy learning the game where you think <laughs> he's got some potential. Yeah. Um, if I'm Sean Burke, I got to take charge now and go. Okay. Well, you've mentioned this before. It's now Sean Burke's team. Right. You come in at first. It's someone else's team. It's sort of your job to clean it up. You come in for one more offseason after that, and you're still sort of, okay, now I'm putting my stamp on it. Mm -hmm. This is now, not only is it his team moving forward, what happened this year is on him. So that's, See, not, I, a, that's not a death blow. I don't agree that's with that. that. You, don't, you don't agree that this year was on him? No. Okay. This is now, like last year, the 2022 season, I wouldn't have pinned that on him. This is now much closer to being his team, his guys, his coach. Yeah, but it's year one of all yeah. of his guys. And, and so I'm not saying I'm firing him. I'm just saying what happened this year now hangs on him way more than what happened on him. Sure. Hap okay. Happened last but, year hangs on him. But this year coming now is on him to me. Like, I don't think in year one when you're letting people try to figure it out and all of a sudden now you have a fourth string quarterback and yeah. you have new coordinators. No, and context new, is important. And you have a new coach that you've put all those people in place and you know that there's going to be some struggles early on for everybody to get on the same page. Right. That is always going to happen. But now that they've gone through that, now it's on Sean Burke. Yeah. To, and I don't care what they do. I just want I wasn't to, suggesting he be fired. I no. was just saying, to I, me, I, I, apparently I'm hanging more of this on him this year than you are. That's all. Uh, that's your opinion? Yeah. Um, I think the coaching has not been up to snuff, and I think the players, unfortunately, have not been up to snuff. Not all of those players are Sean Burke's players, that's so right. it's time for Sean Burke to decide what coordinators are good. If he thinks a coaching change needs to be made, then he, that's that's his decision. Right. Um, I told you before, I have the utmost respect. I think Bob Dice is a great human being. I think he's a great leader. I think players respect him. I think the world of the man, I don't think he's the greatest in-game situational coach. Right. And I think he needs some help with that, and I hope he gets it. Um, by the way, that happened again on the weekend in all kinds of football. I know that we're running out of time. And well, I was just going to say, I blindsided you off the top with our guest there. Mm -hmm. So... The, the list of things we thought we might get to. Do you want to hit on that or do you want to save it? For, no, uh, I want to get to it okay. because it's just eating at me so much. So you are fairly displeased with football officiating this week. Because last week it was football coaching on both sides of the border. Right. This week it appears so, to be so football by officiating. The, so let's just, every week I'm going to come on here, every single week. And I don't care, Matt, whether you like it or not. Every week I'm going to tell you mm -hmm. that somebody needs to be a common sense coach. And just be in the ear of the coach for situational play right. to go, hey, I don't know if you're seeing this, but this is what's happening. And here is what you need to do because coaches get overwhelmed on the sidelines with so many things happening. They're not making the right decisions. And somebody just needs to be the calm voice. I'm going to say it every single week. But what I also am going to say <laughs> is that same rule needs to be applied to officiating. You want a common sense referee. I want 
a common sense review, a CSR. We're going to name it. We're going to label it. It's going to be a trademarked. It's going to be our thing. I said it before on the radio for the last couple of years, and I've never meant it more than I've, I mean it right now. Common sense review. I'm going to give you two examples, one in the NFL, one in college football. I'm watching the games, and it ruined the experience for me, and it actually ruined both teams' chances of winning, okay. um, which that's there. There's just so much riding on wins and losses. Yeah, you can't have this. So in college football, I'm watching Houston and Texas play on Saturday afternoon. Texas. I'm sure, this wasn't the ALCS. Texas ranked, Houston not ranked. The Longhorns, Steve Sarkeesian. Houston's driving the ball, and they are down four points but they're driving at will in the last two minutes. Right. They can get on a third down. They can get a first down at the nine-yard line of the Longhorns. There's about a minute to go. They run a play, a running play, where the guy gets to not the nine, but the eight and a half. The referee or the line mark comes in and marks it at the nine and a half. Mm. Like, just inexplicably, <laughs> like, what are you doing? You only needed... Okay, if you didn't... You have see, one job. If you didn't see it, come in and go, I don't know exactly because I didn't see it. Right. But to be so sure that you saw it a yard behind where it actually was, and then, of course, there's no review. No. You're not allowed to review that. You just got to trust that the guy's going to mark it right. Well, he marked it instead of a first down, first and goal from the eight with about a minute to go, and Houston is going to score. They, they, Yeah, probably. They mark it at everything's a probably. Yeah, in life, okay? When I say it's for sure, yeah. everything's a probably. Okay. All of a sudden, it's now fourth and a half a yard, and Houston on the sidelines has no idea what's going on because they think it's a first down. Right. Now the play clock's going and they're like, oh my God, like we can't. We got to make another play. We got to make another play. They run a pass play, which was just stupid <laughs> and they incomplete and they lose. And it's like, you literally, as the referee took this chance away from a team and I don't know why it happened. Fast forward Sunday. Well, the- just before you move off that one, like. Why can't the, the number of things that are reviewable in football and yet the first down spot is not kay. one of them? And this is my point that it's okay. NFL, CFL, college football, baseball, it's okay for somebody to come down and go, it's the whole offside rule talk in hockey. It's okay for somebody to come down and have told Matt Duchesne that he was offside by like five years, like whenever that was, <laughs> by yes. 14 feet. And to just go, hey, I know what the referee's called, but we're going to call it from upstairs. We're just going to correct this and we're going to move on. Yeah. Instead of making a whole rule and right. now it's an inch offside and now it's just a... a it, well, on Tuesday night in that Leaf game, just the, Alex Ovechkin goes tumbling into the net. At one point, he's kind of blocking Joseph Wall from making the save. And the Leafs aren't sure. The Leafs aren't sure. And the Leafs aren't sure. And then the Leafs call a timeout. We need a little more time to look at this. Now, you can use your timeout on whatever you want. If you decide that's what you think you want to spend your timeout on is right. making sure you have that. But at some point, do you not just have someone in the sky go, that's clearly not a goal, and phone down and save everybody in the stands from spending an extra six minutes 
on the review. Like at some point, do your fans a favor. Like we can get this right. We know what what's what the call is going to so, be. Back to the Matthew Shane one. Yeah. All you had so this to is this is as you said like six seven years ago. This is the whole reason the offside review comes in. All you had to do in that spot, he's fifteen feet offside. Was go, our referees screwed up, our linesmen screwed up, and go show whoever they were playing. I can't remember who they were I playing. I don't remember either. But go, just go show the coach. Hey, here's the video. I'm going to let you watch it, and this is why the sky is going to reverse it. Right. Because it's fifteen it's feet not offside. Instead, we're going to revamp the and way what we are they call gonna the whole they're gonna, sport. They're going to complain. Of course not. They're right. going to go, yeah, that was offside. That was <laughs> I have no leg to stand yeah. on. This isn't one of those ones where is this heel up. It's right there at the line. The guy so I think it's okay dots. in all sports to go. <laughs> common sense. We just have this common sense the person. Common sense the common sense review of the egregious stuff. So in the Rams-Pittsburgh, same thing. Rams have the ball. They get the first down. It's clear they get the first down. Yeah. It's not even close. I don't know if you saw, they showed it on Sunday Night Football, and they showed the panel and Jason Garrett and all of They hadn't seen it yet. And they, sho- and they showed them once, and they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, even as an opposing coach, you're like, well, no, it's, it's literally two yards the other way, right. wherever this was marked. On the down marker. Right. And they, they marked it there, and Pittsburgh took over and won the game. And the Rams were going to score it. Like, they literally Probably. are changing. No, no. <laughs> that one was like, they they are going to score. Okay. So they're changing the whole game based off of people's mistakes. I mean, I'm not blaming the referees or the, the line judges or anything else. They're doing what they can. But it's so unscientific about them running in and looking at a pile that let's just guys for, are eye gouging and right. Let's just for five seconds, yeah. take a look at this and go, if it's close, we'll go with the referee. Right. If it's not close, we're going to change it. And that's it. And by the way, I do want one thing that's sticking to my cry. I won't get to it next week. Um, so same thing happens on the Sens game on Tuesday night. Thank you. I know you'll be very happy about that. A couple of nights ago, Tuesday night. You're not live. That's the only reason. You got to get used to this. People hear it whenever they hear it. Where there was a review with after the first TV timeout. So the review, I went back and looked at it. It happened at 13-12 of the first period. Okay. There's a review on... The goal. It's clearly a high stick. I don't like if um, oh, who put his stick up. The Buffalo player put his stick up. I was still watching the Leaf game. Okay, but the Buffalo player hadn't scored a goal yet. Comes over the bench and he's rolling his eyes going. That's not good. Like, he literally put his <laughs> stick up in the air. Everyone in the arena knew that this was a high stick. Sure. Okay. So it took them. Two minutes and 10 seconds, which isn't that long, but two minutes and 10 seconds to decide that this was a high stick. Not that long. I get it. But it was at 13-12, which for people who don't know, the TV timeouts in hockey. First first whistle after 6-10 and 14. If it's not an icing or a goal. Or a goal, yeah. So this was neither. Yeah. What crazy thought. Just take the commercial. It's 13-12. We're going to do a freaking review. Yeah. Why don't we just go to commercial? 
And when we come back, we'll tell you the results of the review and we'll move on and we'll have the commercial break out. No, 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 no. They made people and then the, especially the Sens too, which I don't like. They got the Jeopardy music. Like, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. like I don't mind that. I, yeah, it's, it's kind of fun. Boring. Okay. I, I do like, they also sometimes use the Golden Eye Pause music. That's pretty cool. From N64. Showed it to uh, Alex Marchand. Stop. Okay. That's fun. Alex, play more wrestling music. You'll be fine. Okay. I've heard it in baseball yesterday. I heard it in all kinds well, of things. So let but, me, on the, on the football one, let me bring you back to this. Because you're talking about referee mistakes. Yeah. Right. And you're, you're just blowing it on judgment calls. Where do you stand on the Robowump in baseball? Balls and strikes. Can't review it. It's just some asshole standing over the catcher's shoulder going, ah, it's a ball. And the, the, the box on TV, everyone else gets to watch, goes, what are you talking about? So to me, I don't care. Let the robots do it. You're a baseball guy, aren't you? Yeah. I'm surprised at this. So I'm tired of number one. I just want people to know that are still listening to this podcast this long through it. When you watch the box on TV, can you tell me just, I want you to sit back right now as a listener, Hmm. take Versage out of it, Hmm. take Robinson out of it never, and just ask yourself a question. Why do I trust the box that's putting, that's being put on TV? Why? People know for themselves, though, like the camera that's going behind the pitcher and you see it it's thrown never, in there. It's never Forget directly. The box. Bo- it's, hold on. I know. It's, it's on. You're right. It's off to an angle. Yes. For sure. Uh, in different parts, but we different have angles. Enough, we, have another, we have enough accounts but out there now. But why do you trust the box on TV? Answer me. I, I think if you put the box, like if this was going to be the new way that you called the game, the box would be standardized across baseball and the robo ump behind the uh, behind the plate would just set. And I know some players like a slightly bigger box sometimes. I'm get uncomfortable with the wording of this at some time. Why? I, so, Explain. <laughs> never. But if you if you standardize this, right? Yeah. And and stop being like, okay, when this umpire comes in, I know I'm going to get away with a little something down in the down and away if I'm a pitcher, or or this guy's going to force them. But to But I don't to think that's to, actually happening. It I think does it's happen. No, course. but I how think, many? T- I want Angel see, Angel Hernandez t- stopped at the border. But I don't th- want him ever. But coming this to is Toronto such again. a. This is what I'm talking about with people that think about Versage ten years ago. Mm. Same thing. It's actually getting better because what's happening right now is the umpires know that that box is there and they know that if it's so egregious, they're the ones that are going to get- you still see these- tr- Not that much. Guys grading not the, the umps afterwards, Yeah, right? but not- those, any- those accounts are out there but that say, it, this it, guy missed the, this number of right, pitches. But isn't the gap shrinking? Because when he misses a pitch, it's like a quarter of an inch outside the box. Isn't that gap shrinking? I still think you have every bit the number of shit calls you used to. That no, are, you do not. Yeah, you do not have ones that are way outside yeah, the box still being called a strike. No, you don't, Matt. Come okay, on. Okay, so, so my, my football point- referees are completely off base on where they're spotting the balls, but baseball umpires nailing it. Got it covered. No problem. The human eye can only see what it is, and when the guy's throwing it in there at 102 miles an hour now, see, and it's breaking you know hard why, to the... You know why I know that you're good at your job? Hmm. Because you still haven't answered my question on why you trust the box. 
I didn't. This isn't about trusting the box. Of course, that's my trust, question. This is about not trusting. My question the is, why do you trust the one the that box? they throw up on TV, or the one that will be implemented? If, no, the one they throw up on TV. Yeah. Now, take it or leave it. But why do you trust it? I didn't. I just said I didn't trust it. Take okay. it or leave it. I'm saying that you can watch so you in the moment. It. You don't trust it, right? So when it's a quarter of an inch outside the box, are I don't you get giving all upset if it's a quarter of an inch? Are off, you giving the umpire the benefit of the doubt? One with a foot and a half off the plate. Show that, me how many times that's happened. All right. Show me. Do you think I have that information at hand here uh, right but, this moment? But I'm not kidding you. With every game I've watched, I've not seen a ball. Like, I can't remember the last time as a fan. So I've, why are you giving baseball umpires the benefit of the doubt where you're not giving it to football referees? Because it's balls and strikes yeah. as opposed to like a legitimate so first down. it's a judgment. It's just a judgment. That one was in the zone. That one was a yard back I'm that way. pretty sure we review almost every close play at a bag that matters, that depends on runs you scoring the, or not. The, the batter matters. No, of course I do. But they're not screwing it up like they are in the NFL or college football. If they're screwing it up, it's a quarter of an inch. It's not a quarter of an inch. Okay, but just show me. Come with like I will. all I of will. the examples I will. of the ones Next that week, are a foot outside have... they're being called yeah. a strike in the yeah. playoffs. Yeah. In the playoffs. Okay. So now we are taking away like two thirds of the umpires and only grading the best ones. Fantastic. No. <laughs> we have 162 games of bullshit I, I before don't, we get to I the I don't playoffs. think it actually happens nearly as much as you're saying. I just don't. Like, I don't watch a game okay, and go, then you know what? There were five I don't think calls. the missed spot of the football's happening as often as you think it okay. is. Okay. I think you had a You bad go back Sunday. and watch the Houston, Texas Saturday, and then go back and watch I'm not gonna do that. Sunday, the Rams in <laughs> Pittsburgh. I'm definitely not going to do that. <laughs> Who would? <laughs> By the way, I watched, uh, I watched the Division Three quarterback for Utah, the walk on guy. Is everything okay, man? No, the walk on guy. <laughs> yeah. I watched him come in and beat USC okay. on the weekend to hand the Heisman Trophy winner when the the walk-on came in and beat the Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah. I noticed that. Okay. Vanessa. Oh, oh boy. Elbows thrown. No, I'm just saying USC, yeah. the, 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 yeah. the best player in all of college football lost to the walk-on for a second loss and they got throttled by Utah, USC. I love college football. And it's I, amazing because Alabama's not the best. and Roll tide on that. Yeah, but Clemson's <laughs> not the best. Ohio State's really good, but that's okay. Like, there's some great teams that are, you wouldn't think, it's not just the same four teams anymore. And I love that about college football. No argument here because I don't know a goddamn thing about college football. So Just say no argument here. Move on. Don't give a... <laughs> Go fuck yourself. That's... My drop. <laughs> I love Christian. I love professional wrestling. I can't get enough. I'm just so excited about things that are going to happen. It was a fun show, man. Glad Scotty Mack gave us a couple minutes there off the top. It was a couple minutes. He gave us a lot of time. He did. I've overstayed my welcome here on a... Well, I don't know. If you got, if you got anything else, we can get to it. You but can say it. Yeah. All right. Get the fuck out of my house. Play, play my drop. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, we'll wrap this one up here, man. This was fun. Yeah, and was uh, awesome. we're going to talk a little bit off the mic here about uh, maybe some more upcoming guests. Yeah. There's a lot of people suddenly lining up wanting to get in here now that you're here. So we'll take it. 
I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. They want to get at me or Maybe, they want I don't to join know. us. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll have some security in here sure. if we have to. Are you my security? No. I didn't think so. Uh, <laughs> it makes me very worried. <laughs> um, we are on social media at Talkie and Audio, so make sure you're following along there. Make sure you're subscribed to the we're podcast. On we're, t- we're on TV. I've seen that. On this guy is a king of all media. Tall can audio, baby. Yeah. Got on daytime TV. Yep. On Rogers TV with Derek Fage. Is that the same day every week now? Is that a thing? Uh, every other week. Every other week. Okay. It's going to happen. Right on. And uh, yeah, I, I, we're going to have some more guests coming up here, man. That's going to be fun too. So we'll talk about that as we, uh, as we move forward. Do I Thanks. have to say at the end of a show that I enjoy working with you? No. No, we're just going to wind this. No, because I do. I know it maybe doesn't come across that way. I just want you to know. Right. And the people to know that you're not that bad of a host. (laughs) (laughs) And you're in control of all the buttons. I got the buttons. What have I done? I I used to be the guy to be in control of all this stuff. I have the buttons. That's the way that's going to (laughs) stay. This was fun. I appreciate, look, we got a ton of great feedback last week when we announced that you were going to be here every week. People are excited for that. Glad everybody is on board. Thank you so much for listening. For Lever Sage, my name is Matt Robinson. We'll see you next time.